Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's alive. A gigantic beast stalking the earth, crushing all before it in a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Incredible Titan of Terror. Wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Yet flames cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You may wish to deny it. But your eyes tell you it's true. A tale to stun the mind. More fantastic than any ever written by Jules Verne. More terrifying than any ever shown on the screen. Awesome. Incredible. Unbelievable. A story beyond your wildest dreams. Dynamic violence. Sammy Jackson. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of March in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Uh, we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along and uh, joining us on this fine Tuesday. And welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, 503 733 2970, 503-733-2970 with your comments, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, odds, ends, ruminations, ponderings, ironic musings, limericks, what have you. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, uh, or whatever else might be polluting and or taking up space inside your mind at this very moment. It is Tuesday. Hi, hello, we're here in beautiful... Downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Oh, there's a great. By the way, speaking of whimsy, before I before I forget about it, don't let this opening segment go without me uh, reading the latest Craigslist posting. It's fantastic. Um, it clearly written by someone who is uh, deeply steeped in the program. And it does like have a bunch of like a slew of <laughs> mentally retarded like <laughs> jerks decided to like just start pounding away on the internet lately. I'm thinking I've struck a nerve. <laughs> no, you thought I told you that thing that I got from that guy this morning. Oh, yeah. No, that that's incredibly racist, horrible the thing email. Barack Obama. Yeah. Uh, the rodents really come out of the woodwork sometimes. There was a great one about you yesterday. Did you see the Craigslist post about you yesterday that ended with a big picture of a unicorn? Was, no. I love there was, unicorns. There was, a great, there was a great Craigslist posting. I don't want anybody, by the way, to think that I sit around and just search Craigslist, Craigslist for my own name. 
I do that sometimes, but don't think that I do. Uh, but lately, there has been this whole spate of Craigslist postings about the show. And so yesterday, somebody sent me another, check out this cool Craigslist posting about Sarah. And I thought it was going to be another one of those, Sarah, Sarah won't go out with me, ever. Uh, but I looked and it was a thing about the, the subject line was, you know, Sarah Dillon is the, is the best thing about the Rick Emerson show, blah, 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 blah. And it was about how you're filled with sunshine and light and sweetness and good. Not riding on your coattails like no. Paul Mellon yesterday. <laughs> Not leeching off of me like a radio succubus. <laughs> She'd never speak to you in real life, Rick. <laughs> Ever. Sorority whore. Uh, but, it, but it's this great glowing post about you. And then it literally it ended with a big picture of a sparkly unicorn. That is just the happiest thing I've ever heard. It was heard. pretty fantastic. Uh, anywho, uh, so there's a, and this is I. This is really I'm not going to let this overtake the show, but there really is a good one that we'll read later on today. I can't just make it a whole show of me sitting and reading, reading what other people have had to say about me. Enough about me. Let's see what other people say about me. <laughs> Where would I find the unicorn one? Uh, I think if you just go to uh, the Craigslist, you just search. Uh, I. I just searched my own name, so I don't know. I guess you could search your name, but I've never done that. <laughs> Why would I search a name that's not mine? <laughs> Why would I Google anyone but myself? <laughs> Why would I use the Internet for any purpose? I can seriously say you're sitting at home Googling Rick Emerson. <laughs> Rick Emerson's show. <laughs> Every permutation thereof. Okay, here's the thing. Don't even get me started. I'm not even going to give you the URL, but I found the most dangerous website a while back. Do you ever find a website that you... Uh, you you immediately spot as a danger because you know that it, it will it consume all of your time. And I don't mean, pardon me, I don't mean like MySpace, where it consumes a lot of your time because you're, you're, you know, you're maintaining it and you're updating it or whatever. I mean, did you ever see a website that does one specific thing, and you suddenly realize that if it's if like unchecked, that website would consume about 98% of your waking hours. I found such a website a couple months back. I won't even give you the URL because then you'll just you'll do what I did. You'll lose about three weeks to it. It is a website that does nothing but search uh, blogs for your name. That's all it does. You I would never ever because that really it affected me. I didn't. I you know you tell me not to let that kind of stuff oh, affect the, you. The guy who is uh, you're writing in Rick Emerson's coat is f that guy. I know, but everyone, people are just f him. So mean. F him right and I know in that the it's ear. Because we sit there and we're just the meanest people ever, and we sit Seriously. here and talk no, crap about people. But we're mean people who have jobs. That's <laughs> There's a reason you're not posting on Craigslist. Oh my God! I just saw this one. It says Rick Emerson is full of mittens. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Anywho, so I found this website, though, that will let you search for your own name in blogs written by other people. And I, uh, I, I'm i not going to pretend to be a better person than I am literally like seven hours of my life. Just tap, tap, tap. Open all threads. View in window. Anyway. Why, hello. It is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. You want, you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. Uh, special greetings and hello to everybody listening to the Rick Emerson live stream today, which launches for all the world to hear. Uh, it has been available to the Glorious Bastards for the last week, uh, but as of today, uh, we have thrown open the gates to the entire kingdom. So, uh, if you're listening to me right now uh, on the stream, then I guess it's irrelevant or redundant or a word like that. Uh, if you're listening uh, to the radio... Uh, but you know somebody who should be listening online, or you're not always near the radio. As of today, you're going to 970.am. Uh, that is 970.am. And right there on the left is a big button that says Listen Live. Uh, you click on it, and it's not like a fake Listen Live thing like we yeah, had for a long time. Yeah. We don't celebrate April Fool's Day here. No. Unless you're Richie. No. I'm, or Dave Zinn. <laughs> I, I, very rarely will I say that we're above something because we're above almost nothing. But we are above April Fool's gags. Oh, there's a whole article today. 
Oh, I didn't even. I got all this news I printed uh, on the printer a while back, and I forgot to go. I forgot to get it. And there's a whole article I saw today about uh, how the media loves April Fools, listing you know all the things that jackhole DJs do. So it is not an April Fools gag. Our actual live stream is up. It's running uh, right now and shall be forevermore. Uh, this whole I'm gonna make a link right now. It's pretty great. Uh, it, it, so the stream is live, ten to three, uh, with the best of hour, and then you know each day show, and then the other. This really does sound massively egocentric. The other 19 hours is just the best of us. It really is just this show, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> no wonder people that's hate us. That's a bad idea. In your face. Uh, no, no, it's really not. I mean, it is. I can think of worse things to put on there, I suppose. But uh, the rest of the station lineup, we'll get on there uh, one show at a time. But it's, uh, the, the wheels of, of CBS Legal grind both finely, really finer than those of the Lord, and uh, and slowly. So uh, the other shows, Lycus, Donna Mike, Dennis Miller, all the shows will be up there eventually. Uh, but this is the first one that we got cleared because it's a CBS show. Uh, so anyway, so this show is, it's always on, basically. Always, <laughs> always, always, no matter when you listen. No matter when you turn it on, it's just us. So anyway, hi. So that is today. When did it kick off? This morning, 10 a.m. Uh, this morning, 10 a.m. at launch. So the live stream is now absolutely live. You don't have to be a glorious bastard or anything. It's, it's open to everybody. Streaming for all. Uh, so that's today. Other uh, big stuff. So coming up this Thursday, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. Um, so coming up this Thursday, we will be announcing the location. Thank you, Richie. Uh, Richie just brought my items from the printer. Uh, coming up this Thursday, we'll be announcing the location of Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Uh, this Thursday, we'll be announcing the location. So you want to be listening for that. Thursday show, we'll announce the location. And um, Friday, you're going to space all these things out. Thursday, we'll announce the location. And then this Friday, uh, we will be announcing, um, how shall I put this? The centerpiece. Let's the call idea? it that. The idea. The big idea, as Donnie Deutsch would say. The big idea uh, of of the next listener party. So that's Thursday and Friday, respectively. What else is coming up? Just all of this stuff. Um, Jesus. Well, here's what's just coming up today. So we got Lisa Desjardins coming up today, because I guess uh, Obama is now ascendant in Pennsylvania. I guess he's up by three the last couple of days. Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop. I swear to you, they have Jim Roop out either covering... Or perpetrating April Fool's jokes. I'm not sure which. A read of the CNN prep sheet, it was a little vague. So either he's either covering April Fool's jokes or they actually have him pulling April Fool's pranks on somebody. We'll figure it out. I don't know. Uh, Britney Watch coming up today. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. We have a Corpse Watch coming up today. For those who are interested, uh, because it is April 1st, we turned over a new page in the Rick Emerson serial killer calendar. This month, John Wayne Gacy. So there you go. Uh, a horrific story to read later on today because we love stories of horror and imagination. Uh, we have a horrible, I just have, in, in fact, I pulled it right here and I labeled it with my Sharpie, my highlighter. I just labeled it in big, in like huge letters, awful story. So we'll get to that. Uh, we have, okay, now you know the man mom. Uh, what city is he in? Is he in Lake Oswego? She? He? It? Oh, Southern Oregon somewhere. Southern Oregon. The yeah. man was a woman, now a man kind of having a baby. Blah, 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 blah. We thought it was an April Fool's prank. I have the definitive word on that from someone who was recently in their home. Not fooling either. Not kidding. 
Not every, we should say as a blanket disclaimer, there are no April Fool's jokes today. Not perpetrated unless by us. It's when Richie's screening the calls and Seriously. talking to him. Yeah, unless Richie does something. Richie's just going crazy with April. You know what he? Do you know what he was going to do today, Rick Emerson? No. That I stopped him from. What? He was going to fill all of our coffee pots full of water. See, that's the kind of thing. That's that's why I said you're gonna you're gonna get your like head cut off by Rick <laughs> if, if you do that. I'm glad that we all know each other well enough to know what we don't like. That's like singing to me on my birthday in a restaurant. It's yeah. not gonna happen. No, he was laughing. I'm like, really, Richie? I'm like, if you value being a call screen, I'm like, seriously, don't mess with the coffee. That would have been a bad. You know what I did to my dad one time when I was about uh, seven. And I think it was on April Fool's Day, but I was really young. I was way too young to know any better. I was in first grade, maybe. Um, I had this. This is horrifying to everybody in the audience on several levels. When I was about six or seven, on April Fool's Day, I thought I was being hilarious. And so my dad had a six-pack of, like, bottled beer. And I dumped it all out and filled it with tap water. <laughs> my dad gets home from a hard day, like, you know, hating people. Gets home, I need a beer. Open, you know, takes off. The, doesn't notice that the cap is already a little loose. Pulls off the cap, swigs it down, tap water. That was he didn't I will say he did, did not get him beaten. He didn't savagely beat me, but I can tell he wanted to. I can tell that if he'd already been a couple beers in when that had happened, uh, there would have been a beating. So anyway, thank you for stopping that. That's there, from our end, uh, like from this studio, there will be no April Fool's gags today. Uh, we are not that show. So what was my point? Ba ba ba. Oh, anyway, so uh, we have but we do have and this is not a setup to like a bit. Like on Jay Leno, where let's hear a recording from inside the house. We do have someone who was recently in the house. And this is someone you know for sure? Yeah. No, it's it's somebody, um, I don't know if I'm supposed to give his name. It's a filmmaker friend of ours who does a lot of lighting and camera work for local film. Like when they film movies here, when, uh, like that, uh, what oh, is I that? I know who it is. That untraceable movie with Diane Lane that was just okay. came out. He was on the lighting crew for that. Anyway, he worked on the remote film crew that Oprah sent to interview the man mom. Because you know there's going to be an Oprah interview. And, you know, Oprah obviously doesn't, they don't send her, they don't send Oprah's film crew out here. They he hire also, He also uh, lit Jennifer Aniston when she was here. That's right. That's exactly, you know who I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, you know, when Oprah does something, they don't send Oprah's film crew all the way out here. They hire a local film crew on retainer who films it and then sends it to Oprah's company and they show it. He was on the film crew here that got picked to go interview the man mom. Wow. So he said the man mom. Is that what it is I can't now? think of a better way to describe the person. So we've anyway. Uh, so we've got the the, the inside. Can we just scoop. call him Mr. Mom? Mr. Mom. Oh, hey, there you go. Look at that. I 80s. love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mom is a great. You talk to my kid again that way. I'm knocking you out. <laughs> All right. I love that movie. Me too. I want to go buy some schooner tuna right now. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What else is coming up to this? We got that, um, and I got a. We have a big interview announcement. This will be less big to some of you, but to to, to geeks in the house, I have, and it's a pretty fitting thing to announce today because there was that great Tribune article about us, which we'll talk about in just a second. In just a moment, yes, we will talk more about ourselves and how great we are. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second, and then to tie in with the very nice Portland Tribune article today, I have a great interview announcement. I hold right here in my hands. First, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Hillary compares herself to Rocky, yeah. not the flying squirrel, the boxer. She'll visit Portland and Eugene Saturday. Sad news, it wasn't D.B. Cooper's parachute after all. Oh, God! Why do you hate? Why? Uh, I was brokenhearted when I read it, too. God damn it. That Jacksonville couple Fine. arrested for the fake Craigslist posting, inviting the general public to liberate a home of its possessions... Also charged with burglary. The whole day has been ruined. A one-handed man wrestles an alligator. Who remembers who Andrea Yates is? 
Yeah. Andrea Yates. Andrea Yates. I'm sorry. I'm just back on the D.B. Cooper I can't remember thing. who that is. Let's back up. Would you read that last headline again? I was sulking about D.B. Cooper for one second. Well, it's a question relating to the headline. Who remembers who Andrea Yates is? Andrea Yates drowned her kids. Right. Well, her ex-husband is about to become a dad again. Of course he is. A one-handed man wrestles an alligator, and we've been... I've read this story millions of times, and I'm reading it once again. Please begin writing the max today. <laughs> really? Yes. Are we on some infinite paradox loop with that story where it just Yes, it's the Groundhog Day of Max stories. <sighs> Andrea Yates. Yes, please begin writing the max today. Is, his, is he... Not well, that they're going to protect anyone. They're going to begin writing the max today. <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with the Andrea Yates thing, but is yeah. this... I guess we'll get the actual details on this later, but this is presumably with somebody else, not with her. Right. He didn't, like, mail her his seed or anything. No, no, he's starting again. Okay. Because maybe God wants it that Maybe way. he'll pick another psychotic wife who shouldn't be allowed to have children. Oh. I mean, I'm just speculating. I don't really know. That, and he replaced the, uh, the bathtub with the shower stall. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Perhaps that went too far. That left a mark. <laughs> Should we continue? <laughs> They've decided to only have baby showers. Oh. For, for, for you guys are both like evil, evil people. <laughs> I like that one better. Baby, baby showers. I'm sorry. I'm going to use so... that. I'm going to use that headline in the afternoon news. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. So the guilt is reward. So the guilt is spread around. For your reward, I'm gonna steal that line and make it my own. Thank you. I appreciate. I do. I pre because then it's like murder on the Orient Express, where we all have to share the guilt. Wow. I'm not saying a damn thing. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> Anything you'd like to say? Maybe about the handicap? I saw. Uh, <laughs> I saw there will be blood last night. Would you? I drink your milkshake. That movie's interesting. It was. Unlike anything I've ever seen. It's a pretty it's great film. It does. It was... It's an epic. It was different than what... It, I don't know what I expected, but it was different than whatever expectations I had. It is. It's and a, everyone... And I went and saw The Baghdad, and everyone was really respectful there. It was quite it was a really good Excellent. place to see it. Excellent. It's really... I don't like most people. I hate them. God. Yeah, I love that movie. It's a great performance. Oh. How, how great is Daniel Day-Lewis? Are you, I, are you kidding? I'm obsessed with him after seeing Gangs of New York. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. I mean, that the great thing about There Will Be Blood is it's like a throwback to the old 40s and 50s epics. It's this big... Do you see what I mean when I said that Paul Thomas Anderson, he had this whole thing of, like, I'm going to make the biggest, most epic motion picture, like, of all time. And I know that part that you were talking about when you're sitting there waiting. Um, the, the oil explosion? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's not a spoiler. There's yeah. an oil rig fire at one point. And it's, like, seven minutes. And at the end, you're like, ha, ah, ah, I was so, so tense. tense the entire yeah. time I was sitting there. And I didn't realize I was like, leaning. Yeah, I was leaning forward on my chair. I was just, like, gripping the thing in front of me. I'm like, what is happening? What's going to happen? It really is a pretty amazing film. Yeah, it was very cool. It's just... Yeah, it's 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 a great, great, great movie. And then the past couple nights I've had insomnia, and I keep waking up at like five o'clock in the morning and can't fall back asleep. So I woke up this morning and watched three episodes of Six Feet Under Good and ate you. a grilled cheese sandwich. That'll put you in the right frame of mind. And I rode my bike to work with him. You know, my wife rode her her bike. My and my wife, uh, who it's a bit of a hike to where she works. My freaking wife, she came in this morning. I'm in bed, just, and she leans in, you know, sort of kiss me goodbye, and she's kind of like the big bike helmet on. She's you know, bye now, and I look up and. I'm, Oh, God. And, I, and rather than motivating me, it just, I immediately felt like a big sloth, so I just went back to sleep. Like, some, you know, normally you see, you know, riding, you know, with her bike gear on, you think, that's it, she's biking, so will I. Mm -hmm. But instead, I just decided to avoid responsibility by hitting the snooze. This is actually what she did. She came in, she leaned over with her bike helmet on, she's like, all right, I'm biking to work, bye now. And I actually looked up and I said, 
Hey, can you turn the electric blanket up a little? Thanks. <laughs> and then I'm back to sleep. That You're was my class, that Rick. was my sole my sole request this morning. Anyway, oh right. boy. Mo- moments after Hillary uh, likened herself to Rocky, uh, Sylvester Stallone endorses McCain. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Okay. I must break you. All right. Uh, so let's see. Blah da da blah. Blah da da blah. So let's. Um, Susan Reynolds just sent me. This is why. I, this is actually why I was distracted when you sent when you read the Andrea H thing. Susan um, Reynolds just sent me this article or uh, this email. She said, "Are you going to say anything about the Tribune article?" I'm happy to call in and do your dirty work for you, but it really needs to be mentioned. Uh, no, I'll mention it. I uh, what I couldn't do was actually. Well, let's back up. So uh, today's Portland Tribune just came out today. Hit the newsstands today. On the front of today's uh, Portland Tribune, like the purple, you know, the the arts and living section or the the whatever the uh, section that people don't throw away. The art, the, the only section anybody really reads in any newspaper. Mm. It's always the purple section. Exactly. Doesn't matter what newspaper it is. Section the, B. The section that is the section that says living life, arts, culture, purple, movies, fun, whatever. Anything that doesn't actually have to do with real news. Um, that's the only section people read. So if you pick up today's Portland Tribune, as well you should, uh, on the front What's page... What's in there, Rick? Why, Sarah, on the front page of today's living section is a huge article about us. And, I mean, I don't really mean to be all about us when I say that it is, it's a massive, <laughs> it's gigantic. It's like two pages. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Is that another good article, too, about them taking down the uh, the Crown Hotel sign on Interstate? That's the uh, Atomic Age Alliance. Yeah. Did they take said. it off? They did, but they're going to put it in storage for now. They're trying to find a new home for we it. We interviewed that guy from the Atomic Age uh, Portland. Uh, they're trying to keep all those retro signs. Mm-hmm. So you pick up today's Portland Tribune, and at the bottom of the arts and culture section, uh, and how odd that we would be in a section with both arts and culture in the title, when clearly we are neither, <laughs> uh, there's a big piece about this show, and there's a fantastic photo, not just because it's me, uh, it's a great photo of me and our friend Chris Boba Fett there and Tim totally nailed it when you say that you know sometimes when like the, the newspaper or TV they're going to do an article on you you never really hold your breath and you don't get too excited about it you manage your own expectations because mm-hmm. sometimes the piece is just terrible uh, or it's you know or they'll misidentify the radio station or it ends up being like one blur buried in the back by the grocery ads uh, this is actually a really, really nice article. Yeah. So, so we got to thank the Portland Tribune and Don Taylor, uh, specifically, who um, it, it really just, I, I think, wrote. And again, not just because it's about us. I mean, it, it is about it's us. It's a very well-written article. But it's a great show. Of, it's a great article about geek culture and about the rise of geek culture in America and sort of, you know, and, and it's sort of how it relates to this show and what we do and Blah, 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 blah. Anyway. And it shows you and uh, Boba Fett engaged in some water cooler humor. Literal, actual water cooler talk. <laughs> that is, um, I got to thank Bridget from upstairs. That's her idea. Bridget from upstairs had the idea of myself and Boba Fett talking at the water cooler. I can't take any credit for that. I that noticed was. you changed your Mustang <laughs> picture to that. Picture. I did. That's that is now the. That's month. the first time you've changed it in like a year. Because it's great. I can't. I'm going to ask that guy from the Tribune, the photographer. I'm going to ask him for a print of that. That's such a cool photograph. Oh, I'm going to get a print of that and have it framed. It's pretty great. So uh, you can read it. Uh, you can go online and read it at PortlandTribune.com, uh, or you can go pick up the paper. The, it was. I went across the street because she told me it was going to run today, and so I went across and picked one up. And later I realized, well, you know, I should have picked up a couple because I want to give one to Sarah and one to Tim. But then it's that whole thing of, like, I can't be seen 
going back across the street and just picking up the whole... Like, oh, sure you can. <laughs> you can be seen doing That's that. all I need is a photograph of me taking every single Portland Tribune out of the Are box. Are the paparazzi following you around in the river? Would they see it? It's not true, but it's like if anybody saw me. You know, like if... What if you had been coming to work and there I am like going, taking all 40 copies of the Tribune or whatever out of the box? <laughs> I can't be seen doing that. That's just, that's too much even for me. So I have to do it tonight when it's dark. Um, anyway, so thanks to Don Taylor and the Portland Tribune, a, a really great piece about the show and about geeks. So uh, do try to read that. Um, so before we do anything else, we'll get some of these calls. Uh, but speaking of that, speaking of geeks, uh, I can say this now, coming on Friday... April 18th, and this I don't think will mean anything to some of you, but the guys who know what I'm talking about will be really into this. Um, Sarah, do you know what Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation, is? No. Tim? I'm sorry I don't. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to describe it, and even though you've never heard of it, you will immediately recognize how great this is. Um, so... Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation, and I don't have time to talk about this a lot, but... In 1981, in Mississippi, I totally sound like a John Houston film now. In 1981, in 1981, in Mississippi, three 12-year-old friends who were big Raiders of the Lost Ark fans. I know what you're talking about now. You just know what I'm talking I've about. I've seen it before, yeah. In 1981, these three 12-year-old boys who were Raiders of the Lost Ark fans started making, like in their backyard and around town, a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like the entire two-hour film. Shot for shot, absolutely recreated. But, you know, they were 12 and on one of those big 1980s handy cams. Uh-huh. And it took them nine years to do it, but they did it. They finished it. And it just floated around the Internet as a rumor. No one's ever seen it. I've never seen it. Nobody's ever seen more than a couple clips of it. Uh, it has just been a rumor for the longest time. It was finally sort of uncovered a couple years ago and discovered. Steven Spielberg has seen it. Lucas has seen it. They're now making a biopic, you know, like a, 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 a movie about the kids making this. Uh-huh. Anyway, long story short, they're going to be screening this shot-for-shot remake the kids did in 1981 at, uh, I believe, the... Uh, let me make sure that I make sure that I know exactly where... Let me get this correct. Um, but it is going to be screening at... Uh, at the Hollywood Theater, uh, and the kids are going to be on our show. They're not kids anymore; they're you know, my age. No, they, um, they even look older than all of us. Yeah, I mean they're they, you know they're, yeah they're thirty something now. Uh, but some of the kids who made this Raiders of the Lost Ark shot for shot, it? three it was three friends. Okay, two of them are going to be on our show uh, next week, and then they're going to be so cool. they're going to be showing the film for the first time really that anybody's Where ever are they seen it, it. The Hollywood Theater. So that's a big thing. So we're going to have them in the studio next week, really. And it's do like, we get to go to that? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. It's no, it's uh, it's it's a huge thing. It's one of those things that had been talked about and rumors had sort of circulated about it and it had been discussed for years. And it's one of those great pieces of of American culture that they filmed when they were kids and didn't think anybody would ever see it, and it like stayed in a garage for twenty five years, and they just uncovered it. So it's fantastic. That it's is pretty so legendary. Cool. So we're gonna have them in the studio next week. Let's do these calls, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Yes. Hello, sir. Um. Uh. Thanks for reminding me of April Fools. Uh, I thought that this was an actual rumor, but probably just an April Fools joke. Uh, TV.com is saying that. Uh, the uh, host of iCarly is a show on Nickelodeon. 
that uh, she's getting a sex change. Is this TV.org you're referring to? No, no, no. TV.com. You know, the, it used to be that TV Tome or something. Uh, yeah. Well, it, I know that a lot of the TV sites, like like TV.org, is notorious for this too. That mm. every April 1st they do really, really in-depth, really elaborate April Fool's pranks. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was thinking it was a rumor that hadn't uh, that was hadn't really been developed yet because. There was, I couldn't find it anywhere else. Let me just say that sex change rumors are probably always false, sir. Yeah. That would that's be... Good, that's a good general rule. Absent any evidence to the contrary, I would always disbelieve a sex change rumor. Just, I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank but you. This year's right. Cabbage Patch Kids. They're the new... <laughs> they're the new pirate. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Transsexuals are the new ninja. Hello. Hi. Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? Hey, I was uh, surfing around on the uh, Craigslist and whatnot last night. Uh -huh. and also surfing for... Uh, for your name, and I and I was becoming kind of a little bit agitated. My wife, who's not a listener, she didn't really thought I was becoming a little unreasonably upset, and I kind of explained to her. I said, you know, it's weird when you listen to somebody talk for four or five hours a day for four or five years. You consider them friends of yours, even if you don't really know them. And, and it works uh, you horribly. It does indeed. Yeah. I wanted to uh, uh, also to help uh, cheer Sarah up. There's uh, there's great pictures on some celebrity blog blogs of Paris Hilton falling on her face. <gasps> oh, I saw really? Those. That's genius. Yeah. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, Rick. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Morning. Uh, yeah, uh, you guys were mentioning um, uh, on the recap, I guess. Uh, you were talking about Dean Burner. Somebody, the correspondent mentioned Dean Rayburn. Yes. And you were talking about television personalities and and things like that. And that got me to Google him. And um, have you ever looked at his, his accomplishments? Gene Rayburn? No, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, he started up at NBC Radio. He used to host Monitor. He was hosting a New York drive show. Yeah. So he he was so, I, I don't know, but that sounds to me like a very huge presence in radio. Mm -hmm. um, he took over for Dick Van Dyke when he left Bye Bye Birdie uh, on Broadway. Well, you know, every generation does have... Uh, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's Ryan Seacrest. Oh uh, you know where they where they leap from one media to another as, as I've been referencing and I'm getting through it pretty slowly. Um, I, but this radio book I'm reading right now that T uh, gave me talks about the jump from vaudeville to radio to TV to movie uh, to whatever. So it is interesting how many of those guys ended up as game show hosts though. Oh yeah, well I mean the thing is is that you know I, I watched that when I was when I was younger and I had an appreciation for him. You know it was a good show, interesting. There was nothing else like it. And then you go back and you read about it. It's like and it's like. You know, he, he didn't just do radio. I'm, well, you know, I don't know. To me, you know, like, I mean, that's, it just seems like he's one of those people, like, wherever he went to, he had a real strong presence in it. I know? have to well, say, and don't forget, a lot of television back in those days came out of New York. So that's, it, was that's very true. it was convenient just to go through the NBC building and <laughs> see who's in the lunchroom. Exactly. Yeah. You, uh, Rayburn, you, you want a game show? Come on. And there exactly. were more Ryan Seacrest because there were housewives at home, and there yep. was a much bigger audience back in those days. So they had to grind more of them out. Seacrest, Seacrest is, I mean, it's great that he's got all the success, but everybody starts scratching their head going, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, why? You know oh, what I mean? And I like, think we know why. Guys. But with these other guys. I think we know why, don't we, we sir? He's a man's man, all right. if you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank Bye you. Bye now. All right, there you go. We got a break. All right, we got a break. Back after this, 503-733-2970. Lisa Dager down around the corner. Uh, more of your phone calls. Uh, Tim Riley's noon news hour coming up. Stay right. Oh, now my computer's completely frozen. Well, good thing we have Rick Astley. Good thing I have Rick Astley to cover me. Come on, how can this song not make you happy? 
How does that voice come out of that man? I don't know. There should be some sort of a uh, some sort of a brief documentary of some webpage analyzing people who some sort of a list of people who have only had career resurgences due to internet memes. You know what I mean? Like Tayson Day. Like Tayson Day, or but I mean, or even somebody who's sort of brought back from obscurity because of something on the net, like uh, Chuck Norris. Oh he yeah. Oh, you know, Chuck Norris is so strong. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and now it's Rick. Rick Astley is the new Chuck Norris. Or David Hasselhoff eating a cheeseburger. Exactly. <laughs> All right, I have to read. Then my computer's just completely frozen. It is hella frozen. I bet Lisa Desjardins likes uh, Rick Astley. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson show. Oh, we have to end it. Okay. Interrupt your uh, Rick Ashley. Uh, Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. Hello, how are you? Hello, I like all redheads in general. I'm sorry. I, I like redheads in general. Is Re- I don't even Me know too. what Rick Ashley looks like. He's, I, he's a small, freckled, redheaded boy. I don't, is he right. like a miniature Danny Bonaduce? Mm, not that red. Eh. He's one of those guys that I don't even th- I don't even think I could conjure up uh, his image in my head. Did you want to see his face? More than anything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is he British or something? He looks like the kind of guy that could really only be popular in British or a country that's not like us. All right. Hello, Lisa. How are you? How's life? How are things? Great. How are you? I am fantastic. That's how I am. I'm dandy. I'm uh, I'm wonderful. I'm exceptional. I'm excellent. Wow, fantabulous. Or fantabulous. or am I bluffing? Your call. <laughs> uh, heavily uh, leaning toward bluff. No, no, no. It's, uh, no, I'm having a good day actually. Uh, I just ingested massive amounts of caffeine. Uh, and we learned that in a couple of weeks we're going to be interviewing uh, these kids who made a shot-for-shot adaptation recreation of Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981. Oh, I have not. I have yet to see that, but I'm dying to see it. See, that's what I, it's, it, it, it's it's really really righteous, um, and especially because it took them a decade to do it. Right. Um, Are you interviewing them? Uh, next, is, I, I misspoke. It's not next week. It is the 18th, which is uh, two weeks from this Friday. So it's going to be two Fridays from now. Um, because they're going to be my calendar, and they're going to be showing the whole thing here. Uh, so this is, uh, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, we just read because we just got this confirmed today. I'm very excited about it. Um, it says. Um, like Indiana Jones' Holy Grail legendary cult film Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation has long been a tantalizing rumor. But on April 18th and 19th, this literal shot-by-shot remake of the epic motion picture will celebrate its Portland premiere at the Hollywood Theater. Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation, was filmed by three 12-year-old boys in Mississippi in 1981. After dedicating seven years of their lives to filming the remake to include all special effects, their version was in the can... And then it was just, and, and then I think it just got stuck in a garage and nobody ever saw it. Um, and it became a thing that the, were, the kids, I guess, told other people and word sort of leaked out and it was, people didn't think it was real and is, does it really exist or is it just sort of a, a, a myth? And not only does it exist, but Spielberg and Lucas themselves have seen it, signed off on it, and now there's a biopic in the works about the kids and their effort to make this film over seven years. Right. Which is especially impressive when you consider like old ass videotape technology. So shot for shot, and I think this, two or three years ago there was some news about this. Yeah, it's because I think it kind of first it, it first came out a couple of years ago onto the net because I think that I forget exactly. I'm going to have to ask the kids all this when they get in the studio. They, I keep saying kids, but I mean they're older than I am. I think at this point, but um, I have to ask them this. But I, I think the deal is they had filmed it, finished it, and then never really done anything with it because of course. prior to the internet, you couldn't really distribute it to people, and it was not the kind of thing that you could really get into a film festival um, for for several reasons. But I think 
word just sort of got around on the Internet. People told people, friends told friends, and I think a lot of people thought it was just a myth. It was a rumor. Um, it was sort of some, uh, you know, they thought it was like the mythical planet of Magrathea. And uh, eventually Steven Spielberg and George Lucas heard about it. They commissioned a screening of it, I think, at Skywalker Studios. Yeah, um, heard that, yes. They watched it, they loved it, and again, now there's this movie being made about the kids, and I think they re- they realize now is their moment, especially because the new Indiana Jones film is coming out uh, May 22nd, I think. So it's all very exciting. Which I learned from Sarah's blog. Is that true? That is true. Sarah and I have been following the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull developments pretty closely. We're very excited. Uh, yeah. Nothing like Kate Blanchett dressed up as a hot Nazi. So, I love that. I mean, anyway. Ooh. It's going to be a good year, Lisa. I think it could be. I feel, I feel right. I feel like the darkness is behind you, Rick. No, it is true. It's, I've come out of the mist. Um, all right. So, so I don't. I don't even know where to start today. Um, let me ask you this: Is it is it worthwhile to follow any Pennsylvania polling information right now, or should I just? I mean, is it or is it going to be like one of those psychic hotlines where it says, you know, entertainment purposes only, not for purposes of investment? I yes, mean, I would say as a possible drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't really mean any anything. other reason. No, because I think they said that some. I read some days that Obama is up by three points or something, or has gained three points in the last few days. But I don't even, you know, as much as I want to believe that everything is wildly fluctuating. It either isn't fluctuating at all or it's fluctuating so rapidly as to just make all of the polls meaningless, right? Yeah, I, I think that the polls now in, in Pennsylvania are, are really not worth much at all. I mean, I think, I, you know, who knows? In, in the end, Obama did have a lot of ground to make up. I think that's still going to be in effect on Election Day. Uh, but I, I think that... Uh, I just not. I wouldn't put a lot of stock in the polls right now. Do you suppose that there is already a cottage industry of books springing up, uh, book offers being commissioned, publishing contracts being readied about the, uh, in this case, the psychology of Hillary Clinton, uh, and it, whether she stays in, drops out, whether she somehow gets the nomination, or whether she gets hosed, just. A whole series. I mean, there's got to be a raft of psychologists out there getting ready to weigh in about why she's still in the race and really the, uh, what makes Hillary run, kind of a thing. Now that they have probably sucked dry the potential for the George Bush psychoanalyst. Yes. Because there really have been a lot of, of of George Bush. Is he mentally ill? Is he, you know, is he this or that uh, kind of cadre of books? Yeah, sure. Why not? But Hillary Clinton already. I think very few people realize how many biographies have already been written about her. It is dozens of biographies, and many of them from conservatives, uh, even, you know, not a phrase I use a lot, but ultra-right wing, who really are just throwing everything at her. And some of them are, are ridiculous. Some, some of them are not remotely credible. Some of them are more credible. Some of them are, are very credible, uh, especially, you know, we've got uh, a couple of very serious biographers in the last year that came out with books. But there are dozens of biographies about her already. But I think you're right. There's still more that we will see. I know that Carl Bernstein uh, That's it, one of the ones I was talking about exactly. Yeah, which is you know he's you know which is probably the most the most credible or, or reputable uh, of the bunch. Yes. But it it is it's a fascinating. It, I mean, it sounds so trite to say to reduce it to this way, but it really is a fascinating study of the human condition um, to to analyze what motivates her, what possibly motivates her, especially as I mean, do you suppose based on on what you sort of know of the dynamic there and the race and the politics? Does this growing chorus of voices it's saying like she's got to get out, you got to drop out, you're hurting the party, you're hurting yourself, you're whatever? Does that uh, 
make her less likely, more likely to stay in, or does it just not, do you suppose it just doesn't even register at all? Do you suppose that her decision-making process is completely independent of conventional wisdom? I think that she's already factored all that in. I think that, I think that's part of it. I think, in fact, almost if there if there weren't those calls, it would sort of maybe tilt her off balance a little bit because they uh, they have you know put a lot of weight on the other end to try and counter those charges. I, I don't think it's going to affect things at all. She expects it at this point, and they've uh, they're dealing with it. I think as far as Hillary Clinton goes, uh, the only moment where uh, there there may have been. Uh, an opportunity for change was or an opportunity for her to get out of the race was in New Hampshire. I think at that point she was exhausted. I think she was starting to think maybe this is over because I think they were stunned by the size of Obama's win in Iowa. And I think it threw her and she was exhausted. And that's when she had the cheerful moment. And I think after she came back in New Hampshire, that's been it. Since then, she has been back essentially on her game, and I don't know if she's doing the power bars. Or, you know, I saw her eat a salad one day. I have no <laughs> idea what she's doing, but but somehow she is. She's keeping up this energy in a freakish way. When you see her eat, is it sort of like? Uh, is it sort of like when you see one of your teachers at the supermarket, and it kind of freaks you out because you forget that they're actual humans? Yes, yes, it was very much like, and it was the strange thing was she was eating. Uh, she and Chelsea stopped by, uh, I think it was a Shoney's in South Carolina, just un unannounced essentially to most of the customers there, and they sort of just sidled up in a booth to, to two truckers, and it was really this kind of, it was sort of bizarre, and they they had a, they had some salads, and then eventually they moved to their own booth, but it was it was really strange. Hey, stranger, buy a lady a salad. <laughs> Uh, by the way, we should note that uh, somebody, uh, Ron, a listener, Ron, uh, sent this to me, because uh, Bill Clinton is apparently in, in Oregon. Uh, I guess he was here. Where was Bill Clinton yesterday, Tim? He was at Sting at the... Where was he at? He was here, and he was in Eugene, and he was in Bend. All right. And so, Salem. So uh, Bill Clinton has been all around uh, Oregon, and Hillary's in Pennsylvania. Hi. And this listener then further weighs in that uh, not only is Monica Lewinsky from Portland, she went to college here, uh, but there's actually a room. There's a rumor that she actually now lives here part time. And he said, "Just a thought. Make of this what ye will." So I'm just going to put that out there. Also, well, bad news. Apparently, Clinton now, Bill Clinton now heading to uh, Montana, uh, where, where all of the great fun is had. Did want to get to Oregon first, so that's good. Uh, let's see. Uh, so what else is going on today? Oh, and then and then Nancy Pelosi, who? Yes. Boy, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just a, she, she just. Uh, I don't even I don't even know how to start assessing my feelings about Nancy Pelosi. Wow, it sounds like you need to. It sounds like you need to start dealing with them. No, I'm just I'm just saying I I really um well in any event we'll save we'll save the, these <laughs> observations for another day. Um, what? But I know I know that she's on the uh, she's on the we ought to boycott the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. Okay, uh, yeah, I got to clarify this because she's backpedaling a little bit now, and in fact I was just at a news conference where I I asked her about this a couple hours ago. And, and she said, essentially, her take on this now is, I am just leaving it on the table. I'm not saying he sh President Bush shouldn't go. I'm just saying he may want to consider it someday. And I'm only bringing this up, she says, because other world leaders have brought this up. I'm just saying... Leave it on the table. Oh, wait, she's doing that thing of, no, 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 some people say that yeah, George Bush it, ought to boycott. That's what it is. And I'm I'm saying I don't disagree <laughs> with that, nor do I agree, nor do I disagree. It, that's where she is. So she's doing the, the passive, you know, you might want to consider, sort of like when a guy says, uh, that's a nice jewelry store you have here. You might want to consider getting some protection for it. 
something might happen otherwise. Right, right. right. Okay. Exactly. So she, she's, and, and I think the real story about this Olympics and Tibet is how uh, the U.S. really tiptoes around anything dealing with China. I mean, how very, this, this isn't even a warning yet, but it's a warning that we may give you a warning later. You know, we're not, we're not warning you yet, but we, we just might get so mad that we may even think about not sending one of our officials to one of your ceremonies. Right. I just, the, so, whole, the whole issue of America relating to China is just so weird and puzzling anyway. Uh, because it does, it, it does, uh, it is indicative of what some people might call our uh, checkered and somewhat self-conflicting policy of dealing with nations that, you know, run over people with tanks. So. Yes, as opposed to, um, I mean, you know, who knows what it, if Cuba had a lot of tanks? I don't know. You know, <laughs> they're running over people with ox carts. They could, right? You know, so <laughs> dissidents are being trampled by goats pulling small sleds. Cuban policy, but our Chinese policy is entirely different. Did you see this, the story the other day that Raúl Castro and as Tim noted, that's really going to take some. That's going to take some getting used to. My brain doesn't really want to form the words Cuban <laughs> leader Raúl Castro. Did you wish it was Julio? <laughs> Seriously, or Tito? Yes, Tito. Castro had this to say, <laughs> Shecky Castro, uh, that I guess he's going to, it's the sort of weird, this relaxing of the rules, but in ways that seem sort of ludicrous, seeing as how they're still out of the reach of most Cubans, like he's going to allow them to have cell phones with whom they, you know, with, 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 with which they will call persons unknown, I think. Uh, and apparently they're also going to be allowed to stay at hotels, but only in Cuba. So, anyway. Right, right. Yeah. right. Although, in meanwhile, uh, CNN had a story this morning, uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta uh, you know, sort of buried, but bizarrely raising the alarm now about uh, the idea that cell phones may cause brain cancer. And But the way that CNN handled it, because obviously it's not proven, and there are many studies that say there's no connection at all. But apparently now there are two more studies that say we think there is a connection, despite uh, the American Cancer Society and others who say no, no connection. So CNN, in dealing with this conflict uh, in scientific data or scientific opinion, uh, decided to take this potentially very scary story and kind of make it, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. You be aware. Well, now, cell phones, people uh, now worried that they cause brain cancer, and he can, kept coming back again and again saying, well, there is radiation constantly going into your head from cell phones. But don't worry about but it. But don't worry about it. Well, as we wrap this up, let me just say that, of course, they give you cancer, because really, as we know here in America, everything does. I mean, that's, as Eric Bogosian once said, in the end, cancer and garbage disposals will get us all, Lisa. There's just no getting away from that. <laughs> all right. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes, I'll be here tomorrow. All right. Fantastic. Fabulous. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. I got that Rick Astley song in my head. Thanks so much. I know. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I am Dandy, sir. What's up? I'm sorry. If I sound a little distracted, my computer's completely frozen, and it's actually frozen to the point where I can't even restart it. It's got that thing where I can't even move the mouse to the start button to go to reset, and then I'm trying did to you, give it... Did you try the old... Um, the three-finger salute? Control yeah. Control yeah. yeah, it's not really working yet. So I'm, I'm just Is trying your power to... in there? Tower. Yeah. Uh, it's in the back. It's okay. in the rack room. Hello, sir. How can I help you today? Yeah, I'm hearing you good. The live stream's great. Excellent. Where are you, sir? I'm in Florida. Fantastic. How's awesome. life in Florida? Wait, where are you? I can't. Uh, yeah, it's cheating. I can't <laughs> play the. Uh, I'm crippled over here. I can't play the Florida sounder. Dude, yep. What's that Miami Dolphins fight song? I'm sorry. Am I, are you quizzing me? <laughs> no, it sounds kind of like what they play on the rare occasion that the Dolphins square a touchdown. <laughs> Okay, but I'm seeing on the on the live player. It also has a thing. It's it's warning you about the start of hurricane season. You guys worried about that, right? Realize I don't okay. know what we're talking about at all right now. So you are anyway, in Florida. 
Okay, but anyway, uh, no, 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 we know, have I'm to... Craigslist is a, a... Hold on, we have to back up. Hold on, we have to back up. You're in Florida. Yeah. Where in Florida? Uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, home of the TV series Dexter. Uh, and so now my computer just turned itself off. Maybe Matt's back there and turned it off. Maybe. You. That would be There nice. you go. Um, yeah, Miami's kind of seems pretty cool to me now, now that I watch Dexter, now I kind of want to go there. You know, it's filled with serial killers. Uh, and so you are uh, you are listening to this via the live stream at 970.am. And what? where are you reading a hurricane warning? Oh, on the player, when you hit the live stream, this player comes up and has a little slide show. It shows uh, pictures of, you know... Um, Dennis Miller and all this stuff. And then one of them is of a hurricane warning? Yeah, it says hurricane season starts January 1st. And is this specifically for you? Like, does the player know that you're in Florida, do you suppose? I don't know. It's got a lot of Portland stuff. You know, That's interesting. Like pictures of... Can't possibly be for us. There's no hurricane warning. Keep in mind that by definition, because I'm here uh, doing the show, I don't ever, like, I'm not listening to the show. So I've never actually used the player to hear the live stream. So I have no idea how that works. All right, interesting. All right, uh, what yeah, else can I, I help you with, sir? But I'm finding Craigslist is being a, a vehicle for uh, April Fool's Day pranks. I almost got one in on one this morning. Somebody was giving away this old school pinball machine. I call them up. They don't know what I'm talking about. But I was wondering on, on April Fool's Day pranks, since here in the Ray Portland radio loop, do you recall um, it was a few years back when uh, Bill Prescott got pranked? They a couple of weeks before, they convinced his dad to call him and convince him that he inherited a boatload of money, and he went on this wild shopping spree and ended up buying the oh. station KUFO, and he was playing all this really whacked-out, obscure stuff, and oh, uh, yes. and then his dad called him up and un- unveiled it on the, wow. on, the, on the air. It was, it was totally major. Those darn DJs, sir. Is there anything they won't do? What's yeah, your name, I, sir? Will. Okay, well, hey, uh, Will, we got to run, but All right. we'll talk to you soon, okay? Oh, don't. Okay. All right, thank you. All right, bye. Wow. The guy's kind of, he has kind of a hypnotic voice. I, it was weird. It was like, I was, I was sort of feeling myself going to like a, like a fuse. I was going into kind of a trance or something. I'm just waiting for him to give me the Manchurian word. Minecraft. Uh, all right. I don't even, we, I got to shake it off. We got to take a break. I got to get myself out of here. Let's get, let's get your computer started. Oh, I wasn't going to play that. Were you going to take us into the break a little more, Rick I'm Astley? Sorry, yeah. All right. You know, the internet kids love Rick Astley, sir. This is how we've got our finger on the pulse of geek culture. It's for my friend Dave because he wants to celebrate Rick Astley Day. Sarah, it's this kind of relevance that uh, puts us on the front page of the Portland Tribune. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Back after this with Tim Riley's Noon News Hour. Ah, almost. Cultural ignorance really comes into play sometimes. 
black men in his video. Okay, now we're not doing anything but sitting here bobbing our heads to Rick Astley. Jesus, here's Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM no one and East Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Meanwhile, the new kids on the block are getting back together. All five original new kids will now middle-aged kids. The new men on the block. <laughs> Joey, Donnie, Danny, Jordan, and Jonathan are committed to the reunion, which comes on the 20th anniversary of the Boston band's biggest-selling LP, Hanging Tough. Wait, hold on. Let's back up. Can you read that last thing about who's committed? They are Joey, Donnie, Danny, Jordan, and Jonathan. Oh, so all five of them. Okay, I thought all it was only five. four for a second. I was no, they wouldn't, they've always said they wouldn't get together unless all of them were on board. Yeah, but they, you know, they always say that, though, and then one guy always bails out and they do it anyway. That was the Beatles. Yeah, I was just... <laughs> they always... Every band, like, no, 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 these are the only five guys that could ever be in Guns N' Roses. And then, like, you fast forward to, you know, where it's Axel and five guys who look like Izzy. So, uh, all right, excellent. So they're going to be performing where... Let's see, do I have that? I don't have that information. I think Sarah is still in. Sarah, I where? don't have that yet either. I thought but it's going to be this Friday? So they're going to make the, uh, oh, the big announcement Friday, apparently. They're performing on the Today Show. Oh, With Matt Lauer. Today Show, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll be in that new Kathy Lee, uh, that new Kathy Lee segment. So the new kids on the block. Thank you. Can this be the new Rick Astley, please? So the old kids on the block. Wait, hold on. Everything new is old again. No? Everything old Everything is new old. again. Everything, something, wait, something old, something new, in quotes. <laughs> yes? Huh? Anyone? Yes. Fine. There's the more clever Bye. play on yes, words. I'm just trying to come up with a headline. Bastards. All right. Speaking of everything old, becoming new again, the first star of the new Beverly Hills 90210 spinoff has been cast. It is a 22-year-old Canadian actor, Dustin Milligan, who will play Ethan, a student at the updated West Beverly High School. Is being developed by the CW by Veronica Mars creator Rob Thomas. It'll follow a former graduate of the school who returns to the Midwest to be a new principal. Sounds intriguing, doesn't it? So this is... Wait, but is anybody from the original 90210 on this show? Uh, is, I know Tori Spelling's like petitioning harder than she's ever tried for anything in her been, life. <laughs> there has been talk that an emer- uh, original cast member may make an appearance on the spinoff. Uh-huh. But just talk. Yeah. I no, Do you remember? She keeps trying to pitch herself as a MILF. Of, of course. Well, because somebody's somebody's father isn't around to hand her uh, acting roles anymore, so somebody's actually going to have to audition for those roles, aren't we, Tori? So, uh, all right. Well, in any event, so it, it, this, is this going to be one of those things where it's like a sequel in name only, where I it's, guess it's so. just like that hideous bionic woman thing? Which is, oh, had, that lasted like two episodes. Yeah, because it was awful. It was ass. It, it bears no relation to the original property. It's just they're too lazy to uh, they're too lazy to come up with anything else. And so they well, let's just stick this old franchise name on it, ah, bolted under this already pre-existing script we have. All right, so just, this just in: New Kids on the Block performing, wait, announcing or performing or announcing and performing. 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 All right, this Friday on the Today Show with Matt Lauer. Uh, that is uh, again this coming Friday, so don't miss that with the inevitable uh, money grubbing tour to follow. So. Get ye wallet ready, Sarah Dillon. They will take all my money. Indeed. Here's Tim Riley. So, Eric, nobody wants to hear this story, but it must be told. It's not D.B. Cooper's parachute. See, why do you have to to, to break my heart like that? Because it has to be told. Fine. The facts must be known. The parachute found near Amboy could not 
not have been D.B. Cooper's parachute from 1971. This from the man who packed all four parachutes given to the Skyjacker. The torn tangle chute was found by children along a dirt road that their father was grading about a month ago. Now, the parachute they found was made around 1945, that according to Earl Cozy of Woodenville, who examined the chute for the FBI, and he's a parachute expert, he sold parachutes at a skydiving operation Issaquah in the 1970s. And it was not one of the ones that he packed for Cooper. Absolutely, positively, he is sure it is not. Now, the D.B. Cooper parachute was made out of nylon. This 1945 parachute was made out of silk. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How would a parachute end up in the middle of a field? I don't know. They, they, uh, I'm going to refuse to believe this news until it's proven to me. Well, I mean, wouldn't you like to believe it? Like, why don't you look at it from this perspective, that he could be walking around somewhere, you know, taking his parachute with him? Well, maybe. I'm just saying... I would want, before I discount, look, I'm in the face of expert opinion, I'm refusing to believe. He said, it's ridiculous. It's not the right parachute. It's not even close. And is this the guy who packed yes. the parachute for D.B. Cooper? Yes. I demand an alternate explanation as to how this parachute uh, would have would have been in a field in the middle of the landing zone. Mm-hmm. Rick Emerson is now on record demanding alternate explanations. Fine. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Police patrols are beginning along the Gresham Max line. <laughs> Again. Yes, police patrols on Max trains and buses. I didn't know that Max ran buses. Well, they're running through Gresham beginning this morning, following several violent incidents. There are going to be six officers patrolling the planes and buses. They're paid for by TriMet and will ride the lines between Gresham and Gateway. So after that, you crooks are on your own. So really, this is this is really doing a little more. This is like at the airport. It's moving the crime zone. <laughs> this is like at the uh, like at the airport where they they let you know exactly. Uh, how you should smuggle weapons in by telling you what you can't take. So, other added security measures include improved lighting. <laughs> They'll be able to see the whites of your killer's eyes say, once your corpse is found <laughs> lying in a max station. <laughs> they'll be able to see. They'll be able to see every detail of their of your features as they're carving you up with a butcher knife. Yes. <laughs> so that's that. You'll be able to see your own blood spraying from your body with crystal clarity as you're held down and stabbed to death. It's about time. <laughs> Then a driver lost control crashing into a TriMet bus with passengers aboard this morning. This happened at Southwest Murray Boulevard in Beaverton. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, the driver of an Acura Integra was traveling northbound in the southbound lanes when the car collided with a bus. There was no ice on the street, but there was some frost. There was also a good deal of frost and ice on the windshield of the car. Uh, Please remind drivers, if you can't see out of your windshield, (laughs) it's not a good idea to drive your car. (laughs) Thank you. Take a little time to clear the ice and frost off your windshield. You could hit a TriMet bus like this person did today. I love the idea that they were just sort of, sort of going to drive by Braille somehow. Yeah. I'll get there. <laughs> Not a problem. What's I... the worst that could happen? Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm still back on solving the Max problem by putting lights on there. Yeah, lights. Better lights. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Fantastic. All right. Uh, then a carload of gumps has been injured by a logging truck. They were hurt Monday morning after their car lost control on ice and crashing into a logging truck at Highway 30 in Klatskanai. It happened at the Nat Creek Bridge. A carload of what? Gumps. What's a gump? Uh, well, I think he means retard. No, I do not. Oh. Injured, <laughs> injured were 44-year-old Mary Gump, oh. her 20-year-old son, Jason Gump, <laughs> I thought and he... daughter, 11-year-old Anna Gump. A carload of gumps. <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. Is that like a murder of crows? I suppose so. A carload of gumps. 
A carload of gumps. <laughs> a gump. A gump. No logs were spilled. A, well, thank God for that, Tim. Um, a gump. A gump should be some sort of unit of measurement for the mentally enfeebled. So the gumps were hurt on the Knapp Creek Bridge. <laughs> of course they were. Gumps and gnats do not mix. His, his brain weighs in at 44 gumps mm-hmm. per, per square inch. Gump. All right. I'm going to use gump as something. Gump. Seems like it ought to be Dumped a slang. That's a great word. It is. Does it seem like it ought to be slang for something? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously you assumed it was slang for something. I thought he meant retard. You know, I, I meant, uh, you know. She might be a very good driver. Not that the family, know. see, but I'm not. I didn't know there were people called gumps. I'm sure they're very intelligent. But I'm saying when, the, aver- gump people, Rick. when the average American <laughs> hears the word gump, mm-hmm. they don't think rocket scientists. Let's be honest. Uh, I remember for a while a friend of mine used gump as a verb to, um, to denote... Um, using CGI to place a character from one film in another film. So if you were going to take, like, old footage of Laurence Olivier and stick it in Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow, they go, yeah, they gumped his ass right, right into Sky Captain. Because of that thing in Forrest Gump where oh, he's, yeah. he's in the White House and then he's with Elvis and he's, you know, he's placed whatever. So, yeah, but so my friend Brennan was, yeah, they're going to gump his ass. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? I don't up? know if you recall watching History or Military Channel, but the Japanese used to launch incendiary bombs attached to balloons uh, towards the United States in an effort to uh, light our forests on fire. And to break our spirit, our Yankee pride. Yes. So it could, in fact, be... Oh, you're saying this could have been a Japanese parachute yes. from uh, the war. From the, the Great War. All right. No, fair enough, because I, I do actually remember reading about how the uh, the Japanese would use balloons as well. They would say, as weird as that yeah, sounds. Yeah, a couple of people got killed on the coast. On the coast, actually. They were camping. Yeah. They, uh, the, 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 the Japanese had sent over uh, explosive devices on balloons. Yeah, and they did kill a couple of people on the coast during wartime. So, all right, that's an interesting explanation. I, I think it's more likely, in other words, I, I don't think that, it, it doesn't seem like a parachute would work for that, though, because you would still need... You know what I mean? Like yeah. a balloon it only has to work well, once. Well, a parachute, yeah, the parachute was dropped from, well, the incendiary device was dropped from the balloon with the parachute as a retarding device. And as a gumping device. As a gumping device, exactly, so that it would float as far as it could inland once the balloon lost its buoyancy. Mm. Oh, I see. So it's a balloon attached to a parachute attached to a bomb. Correct. Okay, fair enough. Interesting. All right. Thank hey, you, sir. Best show ever. There you go. All right. See, now, I, I'm torn about that call because it's interesting and plausible, but on the other hand, when I said I demanded an alternate explanation for how the shoe could be there, of course, I don't really want another plausible explanation. I want there to be no other explanation, thus leaving us to default to the D.B. Cooper explanation again. Uh, all right. I don't know what's more satisfying. Uh, you know, the idea that they found the shoot and then, you know, maybe it's whatever, or, or just still never having found anything. I guess I'll accept still never having found anything. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hello. Yes, uh, I'm the guy you want to talk to about the Crown Motel sign. I'm uh, Austin with the Mid-Century Modern League. Do we want to talk to Austin about the Crown Motel sign? Yes, we do. Yes, hello. Hi. Hey, uh, uh, well, the, the, the reason this would come up is because uh, we were talking about today's Portland Tribune, where they the, the Tribune ran a really uh, nice article uh, about our program today, but above that is a piece about that Crown Motel, the neon sign, that I guess is going to be... Because they're taking it down, but it's going to get stashed in a warehouse or something? Or where's it going? It's going to um, the Ramsey Sign Company. They're going to hold it for a year so we can fundraise to try to put it back up on interstate somewhere. The interesting fact is uh, 
The Crown Motel was actually on Interstate and Emerson, if you want to believe that. Fantastic. Isn't that great? Don't you think that they ought to do this? Here's my suggestion for all of these neon signs that are getting taken down everywhere. Because I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago, and in Old Vegas on Fremont Street, they're doing this whole thing called the Neon Museum. And the Neon Museum is a project to, re- to, to preserve all of the old school, really cool neon signs. And I think businesses adopt a sign and, uh, you know, it's like this sign adopted and preserved by whatever, you know, Bank of America or something. And then it's like, you know, it's the old school, like, pair of dice and it says gambling or something. So don't you think, though, that the Portland way to do this would be to do some sort of, this is a great idea, a retro version of that Peacock Lane Street where there's all the lit up houses that everybody goes to see at Christmas time? You pick some cool uh, street like that and you put up every, you wouldn't make it every house, obviously, but you make it every few houses you put up. Uh, somehow, like in the middle of the road, as part of a roundabout, a cool old school neon sign. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Um, it's actually in the works with the city to build uh, some kind of neon district on interstate. That would be really, and really cool. So we're trying to keep it on interstate because that's what the, where the freeway was. And there's also like we're looking for plots right now for the Crown Motel sign to go. And we also have heard of some other signs that are in disrepair that we might be able to do the same thing to. So we'll, there's a thing uh, with the city we're trying to get done. So this will happen on interstate, and that's trying to get through first, but we're still trying to find a place for the sign. So uh, and we we got to run here in a second, but what is the – you guys have a website. What is the website for the Atomic Age uh, Portland? Actually, we changed our name. We're now the Mid-Century Modern League. Okay. And it's uh, mcmleague.org. Uh, mcmleague.org. Yes. All right. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thanks. There you go. All right. Now the people's front of Judea. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, I wanted to tell you to be nice to the Gumps. <laughs> because they're they have nice. strength. They're nice people. You yeah. mean in general or these Gumps specifically? No, my daughter, she's 12 years old, and her best friend is Anna, the little girl that was in the car best, accident. No, no, no. Many of my her best friends are... people in a car accident. Many of my <laughs> best friends are Gumps. No, no, no. I'm sure they're really nice people. We're just talking about the derivation use of the word Gump in America. That's the only observation we're making. Okay. I just wanted to say lay off the Gumps, Rick. What? Lay off the gums. Okay, I thought you said something else for a second. Lay off the gums. All right, thank you. Have a nice day. Bye now. All right, there you go. No, 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 I'm sure they're really nice people. But when Tim said carload of gumps, we all have to be honest, no one knew what the hell he was talking about. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Hey, uh, what the uh, last caller said about that uh, that parachute being from a Japanese bloom, I don't think it was because presumably the parachute would have Japanese writing on it. And I, I saw pictures on the internet. It said it had a date and a serial number, and you know. Well, that in is English. okay. Well, that's true because I guess if it was the Japanese, then they wouldn't. If it because at that point in history, they wouldn't have access to American parachutes. It would have to be a Japanese parachute. You'd hope not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Interesting. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Uh, if you're using gumps as a, a unit of measure, can you? Are there going to be like kilogumps and? Uh, Kilogumps. Kilogumps. <laughs> this, this power this power station generates 15 billion kilogumps per moment. Yes. Yeah, or, or there's uh, 1,800 kilogumps uh, worth of brain power at PCC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Uh, oh, the parachute thing. It wouldn't have anything to do with the incendiary balloons. Those were made out of paper by Japanese school children. Is that true, or is that like... That's true. It was, they're made out of, like, rice paper or something, and then shellacked. Okay. Well, and, you know, uh, all I ever made in school was, like, those you, weird paper mache doll heads, so, okay. If you think about it, the weird thing is that uh, the only fatalities were down by Tillamook 
and it was like a school outing or a, a maybe it was a Sunday school outing, and the kids found the balloon and they got killed. And actually, it was like as if Japanese kids had killed American kids. Well, I remember hearing about that uh, actually when 9/11 happened because they talked about how well, this was the first attack, blah blah blah, on American soil, and there was people who would be, who brought up the fact that actually it wasn't very well known, but during World War II there had been this incident, incident at the coast. All right, thank you, sir. All right, by the final uh, final email on the subject, Rick, about gumping. My circle of friends has used the term gump to describe someone who is man. This is this is by the way, he's just the word gump in general. Gumping to describe an idiot who is somehow made good, i.e., he can't, he can't dress himself, but somehow gumped his way into that job. I also like it as a unit of measurement of intelligence. Accidentally hitting yourself in the balls scores a 75 on the gump scale. I'm totally going to start doing that as of now. The well, there are good gumps. On, on the gump scale. Okay. And 100, of course, being absolutely dumb. On the, the gump scale. That guy's a real 85 on the gump scale. All right, I'm totally... That's going to begin, begin, become a thing we do, like, now. You know, we're going to have to send that family a fruit basket or something. Yes. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, I think they need a new car at this point. Well, I mean, life can't be a big ball of peaches with that... Ball of peaches. <laughs> that was like a that was like a fifteen on the gum scale. <laughs> um, well, I'm just saying life can't be a big better. None of them were critically the, hurt. The last name of Gump, anyway. No, they were hurt. Yeah, they were injured. I mean, but again, I didn't really. The car was demolished. I did not know that we were speaking about an actual family named Gump. Mm-hmm. I thought Tim was talking about a colloquial Gump. No, I'm just from a band called Colloquial Gump. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, two people have been arrested on that cruel Craigslist hoax. That cost a Southern Oregon man much of what he owned. 28-year-old Ander Herbert and her husband, Brandon, were arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit burglary and conspiracy to commit a computer crime after police searched a computer they owned and found evidence linking them to the case. Apparently, several deleted files, as well as other evidence connecting the computer to the Craigslist post, were located on that computer. All suspects deny any involvement in the free item listing. The company commit... uh, did admit to taking several saddles from the property and selling them, so they helped themselves also. And they believe that these saddles may have been sold over the Internet. So, I guess they're in trouble. The Internet. Is there anything it can't destroy? A man has been taken to the hospital with head injuries after rushing back into his burning home of the coop to save his dog. It happened at Northeast uh, North Fork Avenue, north of Lasseter, just before 9 o'clock. The man told firefighters he got outside after the fire started, but realized his dog was inside, ran back in, grabbed the pup, and uh, was burned. And the uh, dog was taken to a local vet. All right, but is, is everybody's uh, alive and so forth? Yes. All right. Oh, good. And they're not gumps. All right. Hey, the world's first test tube twins are 25. Heather Tilton and her brother Todd Test Tube Tilton II. Todd <laughs> Test Tube Tilton. That sounds like it sounds like you're doing some sort of an award speech at high school. And uh, for outstanding achievement in football, Todd Test Tube Tilton again this year. Well, they're ordinary siblings in every way with an extraordinary message. They're the first twins born in America through in vitro fertilization. They want people to know that their parents refused to take no for an answer, as it is relevant today as it was back then, when they were conceived in a laboratory 25 years ago this month. Throughout our lives, the message is, where there's a will, there's a way. Today, Heather works for a New York financial company, and her brother... Did you just say they were born in a laboratory? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Bathroom? <laughs> you did say they were born in a laboratory. I did. <laughs> a laboratory. That's that, uh, 
<laughs> that's that girl in the in Vancouver. McDonald's. That's the toilet baby woman. No, that's a toilet baby. Well, that happens every day. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday. I'm to, so uh, glad that all of the new listeners from the Tribune are tuned in today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to making Andrea Yates jokes. America's test tube cuties turn 25. <laughs> were happy they cute? Birthday. Well, I guess they were as children. I uh, I remember when that happened. That was sort of a big uh, controversy. Uh, there was a, a little bit of a, a scandal about that because people... Nothing like parents who refuse to take God's no for an answer. Do you know what I mean? Can I have children? No, you may not. And then screw you, God. So, all right. Well, well the family paid the $2,500 cost of the procedure out of their own pocket. How much? 2500 bucks. Cheap kids. Seriously, even 20 years ago, that was uh, not that much money. No. I mean, it costs more to, like, adopt a, uh, an African baby these days. I mean, really, it's $2,500. That's pretty... For twins, even. Reasonable. That is... Really, that's only twelve fifty a kid. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, excellent. I mean, there was no money back, if not delighted back in those no, days. I suppose not, I guess no. everything worked out fine for them. Uh, it could cost more to see naked ladies in South Carolina. At least that's what uh, state senator wants. Greenville Republican Michael Fair wants to impose a 20% sin tax on magazines like The Playboy and The Hustler. He said the proposal could raise $385,000 that would go to the State Department of Probation. Yes, the suggestion comes as South Carolina's uh, Senate Finance Committee is working on a state budget. Senators have yet to vote on this proposal. Don't ask me how many magazines this, uh, they sell in South Carolina for The Playboy and The Hustler. Sin tax. Sin tax. Hi, right. you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, Rick, that gump that called in about uh, D.B. Cooper's balloon being Japanese yes. or his parachute or whatever, I mean, uh-huh. uh, he's got his head up his ass. I, I was at a World War II, <laughs> World War II museum in Tokyo last year, and, uh, and they had a huge display on that those weather balloons and the ones that killed the kids in Oregon. Yes. I mean, they're still talking about that in Japan. Every day? Every day, that's and it's a, nothing but about a hot air. That's what the Rick Emerson of Japan talks about. And when the, when the hot air balloon runs out of fuel, it drops down and it blows up. There's no parachute attached to it or nothing. In fact, I think the FBI is trying to cover something up. That's their. Uh, that's like their battle of the sexes, Tim. Yeah, I mean they, they're going to this so-called expert. I mean they knew it was a silk parachute. Why did they have to go to the expert? Come on. I love. Come on. I love the phrase "so-called expert." It's sometimes. I mean. I mean, these are the same. This is the same government that gave us five different stories on Roswell. Come on, Rick. How did I know this call would end up at Roswell? So let me let's just back up for a second because I was busy cracking wise during most of your call. So your assessment is is uh, that this guy who says it's not uh, now and it's even now in my head I don't even know what the guy said. Let's hold on for a second. So this this so-called expert, this alleged expert, he said what, Tim? He said the the shoot dates from 1945. Yeah, right. And well, was no, it, oh, hold on, and okay. and was silk, Made not of silk, not, not of nylon, not of DB Cooper's parachute, which is nylon. And your take on it, sir, is that he's full of crap. No, not that guy. Your your caller was full of crap. Now that oh, guy, he's okay. covering up something. Which guy? He's obviously covering Wait, it up. Wait, which I'm, guy is covering the, something up? The man who sold the parachute to DB Cooper back in 1970. The guy who packed the chute. I don't think he, he sold it to him. I think he packed it. Yes. No, he, they said, didn't Tim read in the story that he sold it to him at some well, kind of uh, Tim may have uh, read flea that, market or something? Make, I don't remember <laughs> reading that. I don't believe, and those two babies are born in bathrooms. Tim, did, you, <laughs> did you read that he sold it to DB Cooper at a flea market? I don't believe so. How no. would you know that you'd sold it to DB Cooper at a flea market? 
Because Kim just said it in the store. <laughs> I don't believe, well, did no. Did you say flea market? I don't believe I did. How would Kim, you even know that? Kim, no, no, no. I sold that to D.B. Cooper at a flea market last week. Kim mentioned it in today's story that he sold it at some type of an open-air market. Okay. I may have. <laughs> I don't Was it in a, in a lavatory? Um, but my point is, is yes. this guy is covering up something for the FBI. He probably worked for the FBI. Yes. This whole thing is a scam. I think the government was the one that set this thing up just to scare the public. As they always do, sir. You know why they've done this? It's just so they can infringe on your civil rights. We were told by the aliens to stay out of the air, and we would not stay. <laughs> See, even you can't keep it together. Oh, boy. Well done. <laughs> even he started to lose it at the end. Okay, that was great. That's the best possible way that call could have ended. Even he started to fray around the edges at the end there. The aliens told us to stay out of the air. <laughs> he started, even he couldn't keep it together after that. I couldn't figure out for a lot of this call whether he was playing it straight or whether he was like pulling my lariat. I think we know the answer now. I'm starting to doubt what I say now. <laughs> I just try to forget whatever I said as soon as it's come out of my mouth. Just dissipates like so much gas. Jesus. All right, back after this. Stay right there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, uh, a truly awful story. Uh, James Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles, uh, the top five, and uh, so forth. By the way, we want to thank whoever it is that sent Sarah Dillon a bouquet of flowers today. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. That was very nice of you. Very sweet of you. Is that the initial J? Nope, J-A-Y-J. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, again, we want to uh, thank uh, Don Taylor from the Portland Tribune, who wrote a really nice piece about us uh, that is on the front page of the newspaper. You can also read that uh, at portlandtribune.com. Although, although Todd the Corpse just sent an email, and he notes, uh, says, Rick, just read the Portland Tribune article. I like how the writer makes you look like a mental patient as you sit at your desk mainlining coffee and swatting invisible specks of dust on your desk and pants. <laughs> and drumming your fingers relentlessly. Because <laughs> I do mounds of blow. Here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, here's news from the Nike sweatshop in Vietnam. More than 20,000 Vietnamese workers have walked off the job. They make shoes for Nike. Uh, workers at the Ching Lu plant went on strike. An official for the trade union said they want a 20% increase to their average $59 average monthly salaries. Richie, I don't want you to get any ideas. Along with better lunches at the company cafeteria. <laughs> the plant has been making sneakers since 2002 and employs 21,000 workers. This bowl of gnats not filling. Mostly young Vietnamese women. Oh. The company's paying the workers 14% more than the minimum wage. They say soaring inflation is eroding their earnings. <laughs> really? At $59 a month. <laughs> Who is saying that it's eroding their earnings? Is this Nike saying this? Well, let's what? see here. Well, the company is paying the workers 14% more than the minimum okay. wage. But you know what that means. And they say soaring inflation is eroding their earnings. You know what that means, though, when they put something in terms of percent. Mm -hmm. Have you ever worked at a radio station where there was just, was like, no ratings, zero? 
And so you have like, like the book comes out and you have like a point one, and then the next book comes out and you have a point two. Our ratings are up one hundred. Our ratings have doubled. Richie's noting at Kissin' Radio they apparently did that. Um, so it, and you would see these 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 retarded things on the sales sheets sometimes about you know, about you know whatever you know, Kissin' Mornings up fourteen hundred percent or something because it had gone from a point one to like to like a point nine. So um, when they say that the Nike uh, sweatshop wages have gone up fourteen percent, I don't really know that that's all that uh, you know newsworthy. No, I, I always had the ones with the fake coverage maps. 250 watts, day and night. We get all the way to New York City. <laughs> Heard worldwide. Heard in Alaska. Because you'll get those guys, the DXers, those uh, the ham radio guys. Yeah. I got one of those the other day, actually. A guy in, um, Jesus, Oslo or someplace. Oh, Where's Norway. Oslo? Norway. Norway? Yeah. yeah. And I've got an Iceland, too, a guy in Reykjavik or something. Oh, that's um, good. We're getting sent me Iceland. A little... Well, Iceland's a long way. Yeah, a guy from Reykjavik. Uh, I think it was Reykjavik, somewhere in Iceland. Uh, sent me one of those I think emails. That's the only place in Iceland <laughs> Reykjavik is Iceland. But he sent me this thing like, "Dear sir, my name is Nick uh, You know, Hergen Flergen. Uh, I, you know, and if, for those who know what we're talking about, in in radio, there's this thing called uh, DXing, which is basically where there is a group of guys, always guys, always forty-something white guys, um, who in far-flung reaches of the world. Uh, they go, and it's like ice fishing, but with a radio, where they go and they live on top of a mountain in a hut for like three months. Yes. And it's a competition to see from, you know, the furthest radio signals they can get. And they'll record it, and then they'll send it to the radio station in question for verification that it's your signal. So I got this email from a guy, and he said, uh, hello, sir, my name is, and then his name has like that O with the line through it, and like a Z, and like five nines, and an umlaut. You know, uh, my name is blah, 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 Zelganexco. Please, you know, here's an MP3. Is this your radio station? I received this signal the other night while, you know, hiding from polar bears somewhere. And I emailed him back. And because I'm a nerd and because he's from Iceland, I very nearly tossed in a reference to, because I guess that Magni guy from Rockstar Supernova is huge in Iceland. I guess he's like yeah, this, he's like a huge superstar. He's like the he's like the Icelandic Elvis. And we had him in the studio that one time. And I I almost tagged. By the way, I am a friend of Magni, just to sort of impress him. And I didn't do that. Anywho. Well, who knows? Is he still huge? A Magni? Well, I think it was huge before. Is there a lot of competition for the yeah. like the title of like Icelandic superstar? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson title. show. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Hey. Uh, quick question. Quick question for Tim. Tim. Um, the test tube babies. Yes. Uh, where did he get that article from? Was that in the paper today, or? I made the whole thing up. We <laughs> <laughs> fabricated it, sir. No, oh, it's uh, it's available on all major wire services. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, I was wondering, because in third grade, our, uh, our teacher, she was on the Oprah Winfrey show and everything about her kids. She she was one of the first people to have test tube babies, so I was wondering if that was her kids or not. Wait, so your fourth grade teacher had uh, test tube babies? Yeah, yeah, and sex said she was telling us all about it, and the whole thing was, you know, incredible. She was one of the first people to have test tube babies, and she had a video from Oprah Winfrey show from, like, 1980 or something like that. What the, yeah, I was going to ask what year this would have been. Uh, it was when I was in third grade or fourth grade, so it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and then, so the video was old. I don't well, know how Well, this is probably old, not them, because this is the couple, this is the, the yeah. America's first couples, with 25 years ago, Tim? Is that the, uh... No, the first twin. The first twin. The first test tube baby was born on July 25th, 1978. Well, it's, I'm 23, so, I mean, it was a couple years old from when I was, a kid, you know. It, might, it might have been the same test tube babies. I think it was it one of those things where, they, they, like, it, it never happened, and then within the first year, like, a million people did it or something, so. Yeah. It's pretty common now, right? I mean, that's not... It's like a hobby. Yeah. 
<laughs> for the home the home fertilizer, yeah. like knitting. <laughs> Thank you. Right on. Bye. Thank you. Hi, Dad. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that was. Knit myself a baby. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hey, how's it going? Yes, hi. Yeah, hey, uh, I wanted to talk. <laughs> I'm actually talking to you. Also, let's not swear anymore, please. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. Uh-huh. I'm a drywaller, so you know. Anyways. One um, of yeah, miles like sewers, <laughs> those drywallers. <laughs> All right, how can I help you, my drywalling friend? Well, I actually uh, dated a test tube baby back in the day. Is this well, a lead-up to a joke? No, not really. But okay. No, I, really, I actually dated one, so. They're, they're actually quite nice people. Um, Some of your best friends are testing they, babies. They feel like regular people. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like regular people, except they have, two, they have like a, a hole in their belly on the side, you know. So Let's hold on. Just don't talk. Let's canvas the room for a okay. second. Sarah, give your thoughts on this call. I have no idea. Well, it's drywalling humor. <laughs> it's sort yeah, of been stranded in the same is room that, all day till it's drywalling. Is that like a dry wit? It's just a drywall yeah. wit. Uh, sir, um, is any part of this call uh, true? No, it's completely true. I dated her for like no, two true. years or something. All right, let's 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 back up. How old were you when you dated this girl who... Now, did she tell you she was a test tube baby? Yeah, yeah, totally. How, I was like 20. So this would have been what year? Uh, well, I'm 25 now, so back up about five years. About five years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Backing up about five years. That was uh, a long time ago. You, you, you met a woman. At, first of all, at what point in your relationship did she say, by the way, I came out of a test tube? Um, I don't know. She used to come down to the skate park I skated at and hang out. And then, like, one day she was like, oh, yeah, I was a test tube baby. And uh, I was born with the guts on the outside of my body. So, you know. I, I think maybe you're thinking of... I think we might be confusing a couple of things. Tim, Tim, do, do test tube babies hold on? Do test tube babies have quote their guts on the outside? I don't believe so. No, 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 no. It's because she was uh, like, I guess there was some like weird defect. You because, think? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so she was born with an infallible, and she had you know her intestines on the outside of her body. So she had like this gnarly scar down her stomach, you know, and her belly button was like four inches over to the left. So. Is, now, was this um, guts on the outside business, was this related to her being a test tube child? Yeah, I think it's because of the whole, you know, not the strongest sperm got there, you know? Oh, so it's uh, so it's like a Danny DeVito Schwarzenegger twins thing. Yeah, Maybe yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the laggard sperm is the fertilizing uh, one. Yeah, 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 that's what happened. Interesting. Okay, I hadn't thought about that. That's a, so that's... she was seeking acceptance at the skateboard park. <laughs> now, in spite of her problem. When she was... Now, uh, for how long... Like when she was born, her her, her her guts were all outside? Yeah, they were like in this little sack on the outside of her body, and they kind of just like, you know, cut her open and stuffed them back inside and, you know, <laughs> made good with it. Oh, I love the idea of them just, hold on a second, before you go home, i got to do this one. <laughs> Stapling it. Um, All right, then. Was she otherwise normal? Yeah, pretty much. Was, I mean, Was she hot? Uh, you know, you know kind of. What, uh, what, what, <laughs> what, what celebrity would you say she most resembles? Um, you know, I, I don't, I couldn't really place that one too well. Um, she was kind of on the larger side, you could say, I guess. Well, you know, once, once they put all those guts back inside of her, maybe that's a, okay. Uh, interesting. And so this was, and this was in Portland. 
Uh, it was in Sandy. In Sandy. All right, then. Excellent. What's your name, sir? My name is Delon. Delon, uh, how long have you been a listener? Um, about a year. All right. Are you spreading the word, Delon? I am spreading the word. All right. Thank you, my friend. Uh, you call us anytime, and uh, you uh, is it just you listening there? You got, like, other people there? Uh, well, usually my buddy I work with listens with me. He's listening at another job site. So. All right. What's his name? Uh, Brian. Brian, hello. Hello from Delon and from all of us. All right, my friend. Thank you for listening. You can call us anytime. Oh, hey, I got one other thing. Yes, sir. Um, the whole D.D. Cooper thing? Yeah. I had a theory that maybe that the, the guy who was examining the parachute, maybe that is D.D. Cooper. Hey, there you go. See? That's the sort of thing that they need to throw into an X-Files episode or something. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, you have a good day. All Thank right? you. Bye now. Yep. All right, there you go. Guts on the outside. Not goes in. That's... Guts to come out. Hmm. Okay, here's Tim Ryan. I didn't think babies could usually survive with their um, insides when on their They were gutless. Well, I I think if you're... Because I remember it's some, that, that's some kind of disease, and I... Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's well, yeah, I mean, it's I know. A, I mean, it's not I can't good, remember the name clearly. of it. I've heard, I've heard the name of it before. Well, I but I mean, that... but if you're inside, uh, you know, while you're still in the womb, I don't think it's be an issue. Because they still work, right? Look, think of it this way. It's like uh, it's like taking the engine out of your car or something uh, and just setting it on the driveway. If as long as it's still connected to the car by the hoses or whatever, it still works. Doesn't have it's to be like sitting. Section thing where they take everything outside of you. Yeah, I mean that's what they, they have to do. If they do any sort of an operation on you, they have to take all your your business and set it under the table. As long as the parts are numbered. Yeah, so, as long as all the the wire is differently uh, differently colored. So um, it seems like it's only an issue when you get outside the mom and then there's infection and whatever. But it sounds like they shoved it back in and stapled her clothes and. She ended up being reasonably attractive. Right. Yeah, she was kind of hot, so she moved on. <laughs> All right, here's Tim Riley. A homesick Vancouver woman is stuck in Hawaii. What to do? She's stranded there because Aloha Airlines has filed for bankruptcy. Uh, Daniel Andrews and his wife had tickets to fly to San Diego on Thursday, April 3rd. That's this Thursday. But the earliest flight they're able to get is on a different airline, April 16th. Travelers were told to check with Hawaiian Airlines, who are united for the best chance of getting new flights. Because the airline said aloha to their customers. But apparently, his yeah. mother is extremely frustrated with long waits on the phone. So, uh, they promised to honor aloha ticket holders this week. But, of course, there's a backlog, and there are a lot of people stuck in Hawaii because they went out of business. Okay. So, it's sad when you can't get home to the coop after all that. <laughs> I suppose. Because you're probably longing to. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, I figured out who the uh, celebrity that test tube baby must look like. Beaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And she, she was flat as a Petri dish. No, no, the first half of that was funny. The uh, the second half, it kind of went kind of went went all sour. But the first half, good. Thank you, sir. No problem. Bye. All right. <laughs> Out. Here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, Hillary Clinton has tried to inject some April Fool's humor into her oh, campaign. No, really? She is offering a challenge to Barack Obama. I am challenging Senator Obama to a bowl-off, a bowling night, right here in Pennsylvania. Winner take all. I'll even spot him two frames. It's time for his campaign to get out of the gutter. She wants him that to join the, her. That's the worst thing I've, the dumbest thing ever, I've ever heard. heard. And I'm prepared to play this game all the way to the 10th frame. Wow, uh, listen to your devil on When this game is over, the American people will know uh, when that phone rings at 3 a.m., they'll have a president who's ready to bowl on day one. That, I don't appreciate her disrespecting my bowling with her lame joke. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. a bowler from way back. I don't appreciate your failed attempt at humor, ma'am. 
That's one of the worst things I've ever heard. Okay. So now she's uh, comparing herself to uh, Rocky. Of course. That's the Sylvester Stallone, not the ca- cartoon one. Senator Obama says he's getting tired of the campaign. Tired. His supporters say they want it to end. Well, could you imagine? Oh, God. If Rocky Balboa had gotten halfway <laughs> up those art museum <laughs> stairs and said, well, I guess that's about far enough. It's because she's in Philadelphia, right? That's yeah. not the deal? That's okay. Mm-hmm. She's ready to fight. Rocky and I have a lot in common. <sighs> I never quit. I never get up. And I know that we're going to make it together, not just up those stairs, but we're going to climb that mountain to a better day for America. What mountain are they climbing? I don't understand. Is what... she with the stairs up to where he, like, jumps yeah. around and flails his arms? I understand, but what mountain is this? When she says, we're going to climb that mountain. It's a mountain is... of life for I, I wonder if it was in front of some African-Americans, because um, they, they always use that word in front is, of them. No, that is like a Baptist, like, it's like a Southern religious I'm thing, Baptist. right? I've got, but it's always, but you know, it's always, it's, it's always two things. It's not just the mountain. It's that they have come from the deepest valley. I don't always. feel no way tired. Oh, I've got that somewhere. Don't make me dig that back up. But it's always, I think Huckabee was always doing that, where he was going, we've come from the deepest valley. To the highest mountain. Where is the? Uh, I think I've got the awful uh, oh. thing. Hold on, with the. Uh, if I can. Oh no! This is that happen. other thing. This is. Somebody sent me a Hillary rap. Have you heard it? No. No. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Yes, it seems that Hillary's behind on her campaign bills. Uh, so David Letterman is weighing in. It's expensive. It's like literally a billion dollars to run a campaign, and now she's having trouble paying her bills. As a matter of fact, it's ugly. Earlier today, a repo guy shows up, <laughs> honest to God, and, and uh, confiscated her pantsuit. It actually... Okay. Do you have this Hillary rap? I can listen to it. Oh, God. I hate it already. I can feel the soul. It's like if your soul was left in the sun to bleach for a while. Hey, pretty mama, don't you vote for Obama? Vote for Hillary, she's the one for you and me. Don't fall for the hype and the high melodrama. Vote for Hillary, cause she's the one you want to see. Hey, pretty baby, don't you give me no maybe? Vote for Hillary, she is making history. All across the nation, get the right information. Vote for Hillary, she's the one for you and me. Say, little sweetie, gonna write it in graffiti. Vote for Hillary, cause she's the one you want to see. And even if your mama voted for Obama, vote for Hillary, we are making history. And for all y'all in the blogosphere who didn't want to see Hillary for you and me, we are still around. You can try to knock me down, but we're not giving in, and Hillary is going to win. This just screams like a guy who was paid $12. It's a small Asian man. Is it really? Hillary in the house. <laughs> Hillary. Hillary in the house. Okay, let's never play that again. All right. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. That's just hey. sad, yes? I would pay big money to see uh, Hillary and Sarah mud wrestling. That would be That would be the stuff. Well, listener party uh, 11 is coming up, sir, and uh, Hillary's going to be in town, so we'll take it under advisement. Actually, we could give them the option of uh, mud, jello, oatmeal, whatever, but I'd pay big bucks to see that. And I think Sarah would take her best two out of three. I think you should spend more time talking about how you'd pay big bucks to see it. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Gator lude. (laughs) Okay. That made it worthwhile at the end. Uh, Hillary's going to be in town this Saturday, by the way. Uh, she will be here. Susan Reynolds sent me uh, an email last night. I was like, your girl's going to be in town. Whoop, whoop. You're totally going to go, right? Nah, probably not. 
I don't care that much. I uh, I observe the political process. Maybe she's not as far. off-putting in real life. She couldn't possibly be as off-putting in real life. I mean, really, there's no. There's in an auditorium, she'll be even louder, <laughs> and you I'll won't be able to get away. <laughs> Seriously, if you try to get away, they'll tackle you. I, I'm sure that they probably bolt the doors. I don't think anybody's allowed to leave. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. And by the way, it's against the law for people in Minnesota to throw away their phone books. That's right. You're told to keep them on hand or you'll be arrested. We're going to try and reduce the number of directories that people have to deal with back down to one or two. And then people who want to recycle them can put them in their county or city recycling program. How about you save the money by not printing them anymore? When is the last time anybody here in this room opened a phone book to look something up? I get a new one every week. I, it seems like they do like five different phone book companies constantly delivered. I used it when I needed a plumber. That and the Oregonian. The Oregonian arrived, which I, by the way, do not subscribe to. I don't subscribe to the Oregonian. Let me make this very clear to them if they're listening. And yet it shows up on my porch like twice a week. Oh, that free thing? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, by the way, they don't... in the trash. They're not... I was going to say, they're not... It's not open. I don't even take it out of the plastic covery thing. Yeah. They give it to me and it goes right into the trash. In one fluid motion, it lands on my porch and goes immediately into the refuse. Um, so I cannot remember the last time. So you used, like, the actual yellow pages and you needed a plumber? Well, it was before I had uh, the Internet at my house. And uh, that was when yeah. the to- when um, my upstairs roommate's toilet exploded and then, like, okay, no, my entire kitchen no, was No, fair enough. Okay. No, I can see that. Yeah, I can't remember. Jesus, I mean, I don't even know if it's been within the last three years. I used it once a couple years ago to find the phone number for the Autobot Society. I can't remember the last time I looked up. Let me ask you this. Can you remember the last time you looked up someone's phone number in the phone book like a person? No, I've never, I've never call anyone. I, <laughs> that is true. Do you even own a phone? Or do you I, just I have a, a slot at your house through which they can shove small pieces of paper? I, I'm an emailer, <laughs> and I don't write that many of those either. No, and the great, I, I just choose not to, to keep in contact with people. And the great thing about email is you can mm. just determine when the, when the conversation's over. You don't have to be polite. You just stop responding at some mm. point. So anyway, what do you think about that, Tim? Fine. Or just nothing. Just no response that never comes. I can't remember the last time I used the phone book to look up a residential phone number. I mean, really, no exaggeration. I'm wondering if it was this century, if it was like it was since 2000. It's possible that I've gone since the year 2000 and have never used a phone book uh, to look up a residential number. Is I was watching um, All the Presidents many the other day, because I love that movie. Uh, but there's this great... You do realize kind of how hard things were back then, uh, especially for journalists, because there's a, they're trying to find... Um, they're fi- trying to find Donald Segretti or whoever it is, Little Don Segretti. They're trying to find him, and Woodward's doing that thing where he's in the Washington Post, re- uh, the, like the reference room, and they've got phone books from every major metropolitan city in the country, and, and there's, of course, no computer database of phone numbers. There's no Google. There's no online reverse lookup or whatever. So literally, trying to find Donald Segretti, he's literally going through every phone book for every major city in the country, one by one, looking up the name. Uh, and, I mean, you, re- you realize that's how they had to do it. I mean, that's how journalism was done at that point. And, and if you remember, if you wanted to get out of an uncomfortable uh, social situation... Maybe I'm expecting years a phone ago, call. right? I have to go home because I'm expecting a phone call. It was never true. No, never. It, <laughs> no nobody it was, was going to call. <laughs> How would people know? You can't do that anymore. No, you can't. Uh, there was, uh, and you, uh, you know, and you, you, you could. I missed your phone call because there was no voicemail. You know, you could totally do that. Mm-hmm. So, 
Wow. Uh, all right, let's see. Um, well, I don't even know where to start here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. What's up? Uh, listen, you know, the uh, peaks and valleys and all that kind of thing, the, the metaphors that, that the candidates are employ employing. Yes. You know, it, it is the day of no substance, you know, the worthless soundbite. So, I mean, until until we can get it to where they're going to actually tell us something that matters, that's all we're going to get. I mean, you know, in 10 years from now, you can listen and it'll be like reading from a, you know, a, a Dickens novel. I mean, it's just, just going to be all... Nonsense, just gibberish, soft cell stuff that means nothing. That is true, sir. Yeah, that's. I think that's the best way that they disguise that. You know, is they just give you a, give you a bunch of prose and, and uh, metaphors. Yes, right. it yeah. pays my mortgage very well every yes. month. I was gonna say, I I really have nothing to contribute to this call because uh, we're we're proudly part of the problem. So. I uh, I like to think that we're making things even worse on a daily basis, sir. You are not part of the problem. I I have I have been so impressed by some of the uh, the little uh, descriptions and turn of phrase that you come up with that I've I've sometimes jotted them down. I'm, I I think you're great at that. I, in fact, I think you sometimes should uh, should uh, put out some kind of literary work. No, you you, <laughs> you have a dimension to it that makes it enjoyable. I can listen to your sound bites all day long. Okay, I have to. Well, you can online because we repeat them endlessly. Say, yeah, if you go to the uh, listen live button at 970.am, you can actually hear this program recycled 24 hours a day. Uh, all right, now I'm a, now I'm obliged to ask you because you mentioned this, and really I have to know. So what what have we said on this program that you actually have taken the time to quote jot down? I am fascinated by that. I, you, I have to tell you, I'm telling you the truth, but I don't have it because I'm in my car uh, on the way. But I mean, to an appointment. For, for what purpose would you jot down something that one of us said here? Like so, you could work it into like a like a, a social conversation later on, or tack it up on your refrigerator to inspire you, or something? <laughs> to plagiarize, you know. Well, that's fine. No, just because I. I don't know. I, I find it amusing, and I uh, I just like to look over that stuff. I, I think probably you're you're inquiring because it's a little bit of an opening into into uh, maybe the way you you operate. I, I've noticed. I've heard several times that, that you reference uh, things that you wrote down. No, it's true. No, I no to, no. to be fair, I do that. In fact, if you go up to my office, I've got some stuff. Uh, like I, if I find uh, quotes or letters or uh, things published in magazines, I'll actually photocopy them or print them out and tack them up around the office. So I was just—I don't really—I uh, don't really ever think of myself as being the eminently uh, quotable. Rick Emerson said so. It's well, it's I, I can tell you. Concept. I do remember now when I started it. I—I uh, I think I did have an end goal of someday planning on uh, kind of uh, putting together a compilation. And sometimes when you're uh, kind of quite of uh, self-critical of yourself, I thought, you know, I should send these to him and, and show him just, just how... Uh, you should write down the next know, time we... Well, you can do in, in phraseology. And the next time we, we talk about, the next time we have a big discussion about being born with your guts on the outside, you should write that one down, too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Rick. Thank Best you, show ever. All right, there you go. All right, I don't think that guy's going to take that suggestion seriously. It's KCMD Portland. Wow, it's halfway over already. Here's Tim Riley. From Arizona comes word that the state house has overwhelmingly approved a measure that would outlaw horse tripping. This practice occurs at rodeos. It involves roping the legs of a galloping horse, causing the animal to fall. Representative Russell Pierce thinks this is all so silly. We're going to put somebody in jail. We have lots of reasons to put people in jail. Tripping a horse isn't one of them, in my opinion. Wait, so where are they doing this and why? Arizona. But I mean, why? Well, because it hurts the animal. No, no, no. But I mean, why would people be doing it? It's part of the rodeo. 
you you uh, kind of a rodeo is this where you throw a horse wrong and you trip it? Yeah, well, that's what people see for entertainment, apparently. No, but I mean, I, I thought... That's you... someone from Arizona. I understand. Oh, I mean, but Chris Paddock would know about this. He's from Arizona. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a rodeo enthusiast. I think so. Noted cowboy Chris Paddock. Uh, but I mean, I know they do that with cows and uh, calves and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they do it with horses. Yeah, apparently so. The bill would make horse tripping a class one misdemeanor. Well, you know, they used to do that in the early days of, uh, of filmmaking. Uh, they would do that where if they were filming a western and there was like a they they would have trip wires for the horses or whatever and of course obviously that's that's why you see that thing at the end of it says you know no, no animal was harmed in the making of this film because they yeah. used to do these horrible things when they would film westerns where they would have horses run along and run into wires and fall over so they could simulate a horse being shot or whatever you know awful but I I don't I mean I got dragged to many rodeos growing up and I can't ever remember like the horses being tripped or tied up or whatever. You right. haven't been to one in Arizona, then? No, I guess not. They do things a little differently in the uh, Sunshine State, or whatever that is. Uh, all right. Rick, about that Hillary rap song, do you think there's some AM talk station in Chattanooga that created that rap just to see if they could get some other radio station to play it? You know, somebody just won a Star Wars DVD trilogy for that. <laughs> oh, people are genius. That's, that's, that's pretty great. That's the greatest email you've ever received. <laughs> and now, now I hope that it's true. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. I agree you are part of the problem. Thank you. <laughs> hey, um, let me first say that uh, I'm a convert from conservative talk radio from 11 to 3. Now, are you, uh, by conservative talk radio, do you mean Lars? Uh, no, I gave him up a year ago. All right, excellent. Good for you. You know, Lars Larson is a real man's man, if you know what I mean. That's what I hear. Yeah. You should tell everybody you know. And I find your show very entertaining. Excellent. Do you also take little snippets from the program and jot it down so you can work it into your later conversation? Uh, I don't do that. We but, should start uh, giving people a phrase of the day that they have to work into, like, that evening's pillow talk. Like, Could born, you be more full of yourself? Born with your guts on the outside. Oh, that's <laughs> no, because, just I, because I'm just so fascinated by that, that the... I, I'm fascinated by the idea of a guy jotting down something that, like, you said, or I said, or Tim said... And just sort of setting it aside, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, look, I'm not trying to, I mean, hopefully the show is entertaining and people like it and whatever, but I think I speak for a lot of us here when I say, at, at 301, I can't even remember what we did. People will come up and, the, how was your show today? Oh, it's fine. What'd you do? I don't remember. And it's just a complete blur to me uh, by the afternoon. So, I mean, I can't even really remember what we said most of the time. Anyway, how can I help you, sir? Um, I think you're like a Jodie Foster fan. If I'm correct. If, if by fan you mean stalker, yes. Yes. Well, flipping through the uh, late night talk show. Planning to shoot several night. people this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. She was uh, she was on uh, Jay Leno, I think. And you got to find a clip of that because just incredibly looking hot. Really, Jodie Foster? Jodie oh, Foster wait. is sort of a handsome woman. You don't really think of Jodie Foster as being hot. She's uh, attractive in her way. She's good at what she does. She's attractive in her way. But you don't really think of Jodie Foster as being, uh, you know, being hot. Hot's not a word I would use for her. And the Jamie Lee Curtis yeah, way. That's uh, or I would, the reason why I stuck stuck around watching that. And now, would you say, now, if I may ask, if I may be so blunt as that, now, would you say that she looked feminine? Yes. Because she doesn't, she's got very Sometimes fine. she can do the feminine thing. Well, she's got fine features. I'm not saying she looks butch, but she sort of looks, uh, androgynous is the wrong word. But uh, Jodie Foster, a lot of times, she doesn't look butch, but she doesn't look uh, girly. Is she right. does look very, 
I'm trying to think of somebody uh, to compare her to. Not even Ellen, because I think Ellen's Ellen's a lot more butch than Jodie Foster is. There's got to be somebody. Um, she was looking great, but they showed. You know what Jodie Foster is? Jodie Foster is cute. Jodie Foster can really be cute. She, you know what she is? She's like uh, she's sort of like Bridget Fonda's aunt. That's kind of what she would look like. If Bridget Fonda had like sort of a sexy aunt, that's what uh, that's what Jodie Foster would look like. Tim is shaking his head. In well, no, it's just too hard to think about all that. <laughs> the math is too difficult. <laughs> Do you need visual aids and pie charts? So. All right. Uh, the so movie I... clip they show yes. that TV was hideous in the movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and this is last night's Leno? Yes. Okay, I'll look it up, sir. Uh, thank you, my friend. Good night. All right, there you go. Thank you. Good night to you, sir. All right. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. A puppet show on Hamas TV shows a boy stabbing President Bush over policies in the Middle East. According to the translation, uh, the show takes place in the White House where a young boy accuses the president of making him an orphan. The boy in the puppet show shows the president uh, killing his father in Iraq, his mother in Lebanon, and his brothers in Gaza, and he wants revenge. Despite pleas for his life, uh, the president is repeatedly stabbed during the puppet show. Uh, this is by... I was going to say, by the way, this is not the real President Bush is being right, stabbed. Right, this is President Bush We're the puppet. not in favor of that. No, this is uh, children's TV in, right, okay. in places that don't like us. Confused. That's their Sesame Street. Who's... <laughs> it's, it's Hamas TV. Me? Oh. Okay, who... What? Who is making that sound? Is that the Bush puppet? That is the Bush puppet. Who's doing the stabbing? A uh, young boy. Okay. Uh, and it's, he, he's stabbing the Bush puppet because why? Uh, the president made him an orphan. Well, that's probably true. Mm -hmm. All right. Can you play that one more time? Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the George W. Bush puppet being repeatedly stabbed. That's just disturbing. That is really creepy. Okay. I am challenging Senator Obama to a bowl off, a bowling night, right here <sighs> in Pennsylvania. Winner take all. But we wish George Bush a long life and the best of health. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Do not going? stab the president under no, any circumstances. All right, how can I help you? Hey, I was going to tell you that horse tripping. Yeah. Is that of Mexican rodeos? But, I mean, Mexican rodeos, dumb question, in Mexico or in Arizona? No, uh, you'll see them in, in Arizona and Texas, and they have one in Canby every year. They're called Mexican rodeos. They, they don't, they're not like... Well, it's not like our. It's not like our American rodeos. They're more humane. Yeah. We only tie the bull's testicles <laughs> and pull as hard as we can. Yeah, we only we do. put a huge rubber strap around their junk and yank on it. Yeah. Well, actually, this strap doesn't go, even go near their junk. So. Well, that's. I thought they put a rubber band around testicles at rodeos. Yeah, no, they just works. jump for fun for the. Oh, that's, that's, that's how you castrate a bull. Oh, I'm sorry. I always get those confused. Oh. That happens later. All right. A Mexican rodeo uses a, a round pin. And what they do is uh, there's a guy inside the center of the pen. They put a wild horse in or a horse that they've scared for four days, and it runs around at a full gallop, and what they do is they, they rope the front legs to trip the horse. Well, but, I mean, for what possible, like, who's amused by that? Uh, Mexicans. I'll, well, well, apparently Americans are, too. Because because they they also, also people in Arizona, apparently. So, all right. So, wherever you see a Mexican rodeo, uh, I think it's been outlawed in Oregon and Texas, but... Some other states, if there's a Mexican rodeo, California, I know they do it. 
and it ends up breaking a lot of horses' legs, and uh, they end up in the glue factory. Thanks mm. for being a big up, sir. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem. All right, thank you. I'm going to work the phrase Mexican rodeo into something, though, because that's kind of funny. Doesn't Mexican rodeo sound like one of those fake sex practices that you'd see referenced in a book? I gave that girl a real Mexican rodeo. <clears throat> Maybe not. Here's Tim Riley. Write that down. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's time to go back to the uh, the ball game field because uh, baseball has started again. I swear for a moment I thought you said the ball gag field. but that No, I happen. did not. All right. Uh, many ballparks around the country now offer lots of healthy foods. Next time you go to a baseball game, why not ask for a salad, a chicken breast, or grilled salmon instead of the usual junk? I'll get a foot-long Subway. Sometimes I get two foot-long Subways because they're really low in calories. And I get all veggies, no cheese, no oil. Um, Ooh, and this ball of fun great. we're listening to. They're crispy and crunchy and give you that crispy, crunchy taste. Dr. Rosen of the Cleveland Clinic. He really, really, I don't have my sounder up. He really does. He sounds like he's full of pep. Uh, so make sure when you go to the ball game to stay away from the all-you-can-eat section. The seats you don't want, those all-you-can-eat seats, right? They have them at every park now, I understand. You know, $35, they're $15 for the ticket, $35 for the food, and $4,000 for the hospital bill that you don't see. Well, this right? guy sounds like he... What a craziness. Be... Um, we're not fat enough? This guy sounds like he'd be doing some public access show in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those guys... My name is Myron Lipinski. Welcome to Hot Talk. It runs every night at 7 with no audio. <laughs> and it's been on for a year. Right, but no one's listening. No one's caught on to the fact that you can't hear him. My mother says I'm hilarious. Right Runs right before Cop Talk. Yeah. Hi, well, Cop Talk was good. I don't know when that's on anymore. Cop Talk, you know, I haven't watched Public Access in the longest time. Uh, the only guy I really liked on Public Access was that old guy that talked about pancakes a lot. Oh, I loved that guy. Oh, the old guy was great. Some, I wonder if he's still alive. Sometimes. Sometimes I like to just sit and look at the rain. I love hearing him talk about how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He was pretty great. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, I had a question and a comment. Yes. Um, the question I had was... No, 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 you have to give the comment first. Oh, the comment, it's, it's really quite bad, but... Well, then you'll add with something strong. Comment okay. first, question I, second. I, I, uh, I had another... You know, the, you never heard of the term a surrogate mother yes. uh, for a test tube baby? Right. I came with another term for a surrogate mother. A womb for rent. I'm glad we I'll did this here. first to get it out of the way. I'll What's your here. question, sir? Right. Yeah, the question was, this might have been a corpse watch or a geek watch for like in the last couple of weeks, but uh, it could be because of my utter failing as a as a decent as a good listener. But did you guys ever and cover, as a human being, sir? Yeah, did you guys ever cover the death of Arthur C. Clarke? Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, we did uh, that as a snuff watch a couple weeks ago. Uh, we talked at length about his uh, his oeuvre and the you know his uh, the many many yeah. books and and so forth. That it, My favorite author and favorite movie of all time. Yeah, so anyway, we, I, we also know that I, we're all preemptively sad about. I mean, Ray Bradbury's not even dead, and I already, I'm already sad about that. Like uh, Ray Bradbury is one of those guys where I just. I am already sort of preparing for his death because I know it's just going to be like the biggest buzzkill of my life. So yeah, yeah, uh, because oh. he's already he's like a hundred. He's had a stroke and whatever. So that guy, yeah, the Reaper's coming for that guy pretty soon. So I'm already kind of preemptively bummed out about that. Yeah. Uh, one other quick thing that yeah. just popped up: uh, the Mexican rodeo thing. I uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine that I worked with at a paint store had a bootleg video of nothing but um, Mexican rodeo deaths. And it was one of the most gruesome and horrifying things I've ever seen. Let me just, here's a little bit of advice. Don't go to lunch with that guy. Or, you know, in, <laughs> into the supply room. All right, thank you. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Who remembers the Green River Killer? I do. Wait, uh, does anybody know the Green River Killer's, uh, killer's real name? 
Yes. Gary Ridgeway. Correct. <laughs> That's right. Well, here's a, here's a topic of a new miniseries for Lifetime. Television for women in bags. Right. Well, because he killed 48 women and uh, offered help investigators to locate remains that have been missing for two decades. He's serving 48 consecutive life terms at the state uh, prison in Walla Walla, famous for their onion rings. The serial killer's bone-chilling story is the focus of a new four-hour miniseries. Actor Tom Cavanaugh plays the main character, Detective Dave Reichart, whose book inspired the series. Now a congressman, Reichart says Cavanaugh's character just isn't based on his role in the case. Uh, some scenes are chillingly familiar. The movie begins with Cavanaugh's character responding to a domestic violence call. Cavanaugh gets involved in a scuffle with a violent band and ends up getting stabbed in the neck. He said he never expected the movie to open with that particular scene. So that's going to be on Lifetime very soon. Uh, Lifetime, can I just tell you, for a channel that is presumably about like female empowerment and whatever, man-hating they, television. They, well, but, but, it's, but it's kind of woman-hating television because they have never... It is. It's everybody-hating. It's like it's, it's this, like brutal slaughter of women. Life... Except for that Snap show when that shows like women just like snapping on their husbands and murdering them. A lifetime, though, it has never met a story about a woman being uh, beaten, shot, maimed, raped, stabbed, tied up, abandoned, kidnapped... Buried in a landfill. They have never met a story like that that they didn't love enough to cast like Sissy Spacek in and then to run 55 times a week. I mean, really. If God, I love Lifetime. Really, I mean, if you, if you read a story, woman branded with iron and kept in basement for nine years. Like, you can look at your and watch. And they'll, they'll pop that crap oh. out in like two weeks. Like, like a week later. They are so good totally. at that. And it's like next on Lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah, you turn on the television it, like ten days later. Uh, and, you know, and there's like a Kirstie Alley starring in the adaptation of that film. So the Green River Killer is kind of weird, too, because he's I do believe he's the killingest guy in American history. I think he's yes. I think he's number one at this point. I think he surpassed uh, John Wayne Gacy. Mm -hmm. um, and but it's it's I, I don't know. I feel like maybe we have uh, like we have left the golden age of serial killing, because I would imagine if you went up to the average American and asked them to describe the Green River Killer or to name him, the average American probably couldn't do it. Right. I would say, uh, before the Green River Killer, who would you say, chronologically speaking, was the last really famous serial killer before him? I mean, in terms of being caught and identified. Hmm. I'm saying... I am as the calendar. Yeah, I'm saying it's probably... Uh, was Richard Ramirez after John Wayne Gacy? I believe so, yes. Okay, so Richard, so the Night Stalker, maybe? Because there was... You know who else we've already uh, forgotten about? We've all forgotten about those DC sniper guys. Remember how we were all obsessed with the DC sniper for like six months? Oh, the guy and the kid. The guy and the kid. Well, they were overexposed anyway. They, they were kind of like the Paris Hilton of serial killers. <laughs> I mean, it was every day too. You just didn't care anymore. They were the Paris, and what happened to the them? Paris and Nikki of, of shooting? Uh, well, they both got arrested and they're both in prison. But mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was all bizarre because first of all, they weren't embittered white guys. Uh, they were some black guys, and it was you know it was a, it was a, an older man and then a younger kid. And there's like one of them hiding in the trunk and one of them driving, and they were sending all those weird letters to the police, and they were making the police say all those weird phrases in the press conferences. I mean, it was a really messed up case. And then what's his name? Charles Moose, who had been from here, mm -hmm. was the guy who ended up being the chief of police. But it's, it's sort of like they're in prison, and we've all kind of forgotten about it. I think really you have to be a lot more interesting now to kind of like get the attention of the American people. Really, I think we're... I think we're going to have to, there's going to be a greater level of gimmickry, I think, required to sort of uh, capture the American imagination. I'm just saying, not suggesting it, I'm just saying. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. This is Ted. Hi, Ted. Where are you calling from? Uh, Portland. I am the delivery man, Ted. I mean, what is the, uh, what's the sound in the background? Uh, it's my delivery truck. Excellent. What do you deliver? 
Bodies. Uh, lots, <laughs> lots of little boxes. Okay. What? I, I think that's his way of saying don't ask any further, oh. if you know what I mean. How can I help you, Ted? Well, I called to compliment you. You're a genius. I enjoy listening to you because you're definitely smarter than I am. There's you, a, it's uh, like, what, what, it's like weird, Pat Rick on the back there. Seriously, there's a weird vibe going that I have. I... I think there's Did a newspaper do... article in the Tribune. I was just going to say, is the Tribune so influential and people so malleable that all it takes is this article and they think we're... <laughs> Richie's noting it's April Fool's Day. <laughs> it's opposite oh, no, no, day. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no it's, uh, it's relative to how pitiful my life is and how desperate uh, I am to listen to something on the radio. Now, Ted, you shouldn't be so down on yourself. I'm sure you're a fine person. <laughs> hey, a couple of years ago, you, you, uh, <laughs> you combined a reference from a world... Uh, historic tragedy of uh, uh, on the radio to to uh, something current that's a world tragedy on the on the television you were f referring to Britney Britney Spears as the oh the huge manatee and that took me took me weeks to, to connect the two uh, see I don't even I don't even remember saying that I mean I'm, oh, I'm the sure huge I'm sure that I did. And see, the funny thing is, now it's because I'd forgotten that I said it. It's like finding $20 in an old pocket that you didn't know you had. Now I'm laughing at that, which I shouldn't do because I guess I apparently said it. But I forgot that I said it, so I'm allowed to find it funny. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, and so uh, what have you got planned for the rest of your day, Ted? Um, stay out of trouble. Okay, then. Well, my friend, uh, thank you. Have you been a, a long-time listener? Yes, actually... I've enjoyed you. Uh... Sorry, more trucks. Um, I've enjoyed you for years. I I, uh, I used to listen to you uh, several careers ago. Seems like you were uh, drinking much more coffee back then and talking much faster. Well, but... the mounds of blow have gotten smaller. <laughs> All right, Ted. Uh, thank you. All right, be safe out there, and uh, you call us anytime, my friend. Spread the word. I really enjoyed the huge manatee. All right, thank you. Bye. Thanks, Bye. All right, there you go, Ted. Yeah, there's something in the water there's today. There's a weird vibe today. Mm. I mean, not that we don't appreciate the compliments, I'm sure, but yeah, it's just a radio show. I mean, I sound like Shatner in that in that SNL episode. You people, are, it's just a TV show. I mean, you, have you ever kissed a girl? Uh, here's Tim Riley. Another star will fall on tonight's all-new Dancing with the Stars. Fans of the competition can expect one more celebrity to be eliminated. Dancing with the Stars judge Carrie Ann Aniva says she hates seeing anybody go home. When she speaks. <laughs> she hates to see any... She speaks when spoken she... to, Tim. You're not she... doing this correctly. She... Darn it. <laughs> one more time. She really does hate any... From day one, I hate seeing anybody go home because I know how much work they put into this. What they're doing is really, really difficult. And, you know, we judges, we sit up there on our throne and we tell them our thoughts. But, you know, the bottom line is it is very difficult. The expectations just grow each season. Okay. Well, here's something new. For the first time in history, a crematorium has announced it's offering... Pay-per-view online funeral services for out-of-town funeral attendees. The crematorium will charge $150 for families who would rather watch funeral services online than in person. Some critics argue that they're attempting to make money off the new service and it's not really private enough. So the Reverend Gary Philbert, there are a lot of good things about it, but as he will not personally care for the thought of being recorded at a funeral, we're not putting the service on the Internet for anyone to watch. Security is very important. It's about offering a better service to people who are bereaved. Uh, by the way, uh, we have a speaking of which, I think we have uh, we have some watches to get you here because they're sort of uh, stacking up. So we'll oh, get to some of those as we move on. Uh, <coughs> that actually reminds me of this, and I'd totally forgotten about it until you mentioned the ashes. 
So I was having, I don't even remember where this came up, but my wife and I were talking last night, and it, what, it, we somehow got into that old, what is the nursery rhyme that the... the, the Hickory Dickory Rock? No, it's the, uh, the uh, Peter, Peter Pumpkin Eater. Oh, yeah, I had a wife and couldn't keep her. Okay, so we have this, and then, but doesn't it end with put her in a pumpkin shell and there he kept her very well? Yeah. The F is that about? (laughs) And so I was speculating. I said, I made the observation. I said, well, how did you put her in a pumpkin shell? I said, is it just like her ashes or something? And then my wife accused me of being morbid. But then I said, well, you tell me. Like, how else would you put... Like, bring her on the rosy? And like, how else would you put your wife in a pumpkin shell? And And she said... wife's the pumpkin. Well, that doesn't make any sense. His wife isn't a pumpkin. And she said, well, maybe it's a huge pumpkin. And I said, well, maybe it's a tiny wife. And then we just sort of looked at each other, and we realized we were like at an impasse. But I realized I had no explanation for what that means. That means nothing. First of all, Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. Why is that his defining characteristic or trait? And is it like an allegory for something? Is it like might a, be what he's known for. Is it, but I mean, is the is the eating of the pumpkin like a, a metaphor for some sort of social condition? He put her in a what kind of shell? Put her in a pumpkin Peter, shell? Peter, pumpkin eater, pumpkin eater, had a wife and couldn't keep her. Which I guess does that mean keep her as in pay for her? Or I don't know. Keep her as you in say the whole thing and let's analyze it. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, had a wife and couldn't keep her. Put her in a pumpkin shell, and there he kept her very well. I mean, it just sounds ludicrous and scary. So Maybe he put his wife inside of a pumpkin and then he ate her. But see, how would you even do that? How would you fit your wife inside of a pumpkin? Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. It's a well, it's a, a nursery rhyme. You can't, but see, that's just but that's taking the easy way out by just saying it's a nursery rhyme. Well, I don't. I mean, I, I, are you really looking for a literal way and how this? I'm Peter, wondering Peter, Pumpkin how Eater, it had is. A wife and couldn't keep her. I'm saying I don't believe it was written as just some sort of abstract verse. Clearly, the person who wrote that, there has to be some meaning behind it, right? Because if you think about it, nursery rhymes or fairy tales, they all make some kind of logical sense, even if it's only like internal logic within the rhyme itself. So, I have no idea what that means, and I have no idea how you would fit your wife inside of a pumpkin shell. Unless the wife was real small, the pumpkin was real big. Maybe or she's maybe, dead. Maybe that's what. Well, see, that was well, my. There's rumor that he chopped her up and stuffed her into his pumpkins. Is that true? Yes. See, th- see. So I had speculated that it was just her ashes. I said maybe he's just keeping. And I, which I wasn't trying to be morbid. I was just speculating. I was trying to come up with some sort of logical explanation for it. And my wife told me that I was creepy. So all right. That's kind of creepy. I'm just saying the whole thing is sort of. It's kind of befuddling to me. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, he was a poor man who had an unfaithful wife. She kept cheating on him, so he had to find a way to stop her from running around. So his solution, which was fairly common in the Middle Ages, was a chastity belt, also known as a pumpkin shell. So wait, so the pumpkin shell is a chastity belt? Is it, it's in like the Middle big, Ages it was. It's like a big ironclad thing that goes over her vagina. Put her in a, okay. I guess it doesn't really rhyme if you say put a clamp over her vagina. Well, no, because children wouldn't read that. <laughs> <laughs> putting, putting something over her vagina. That kind of language is reserved for guests on Friday. <laughs> so, so this is... That is messed up. Yeah. Somebody, somebody in the Middle Ages, what else do they have to do? Somebody told me that ring around the rosy thing isn't true, though. Somebody told me that that's a thing that somebody said in the 60s, that they would... Some, some version of us in the 1960s... Well, I mean, it's, started, regardless, it's morbid. I mean, it's totally morbid because it works about the Black Death. I read something on Snopes the other day where they said that they think that whole thing about Ring Around the Rosie being about the Black Death, that it was literally, it was some guy in the 60s attempting, he didn't, they didn't have the term urban legends there, but it was some guy trying to sort of like, as a goof, uh, create a thing, create a rumor about that. So I guess it's sort of, as Snopes would say, it is undetermined. But, so Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater, so let me understand this, so let's back up. 
And that raises the question of what does it mean to be The wife was probably cheating cheating on him. And let's be honest here. What does it mean to be then a pumpkin eater? Oh. oh. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Look, if a pumpkin shell is a chastity belt. You're right. Belt, Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, had a wife and couldn't keep her. That's messed up. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, had a wife and couldn't keep her. Put her in a pumpkin shell. <laughs> there he kept her very well. Now it makes more sense now, doesn't it? The things you learn on this program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. Hey, uh, the, wouldn't you put the uh, wife in the pumpkin shell? Wouldn't that be a wood chipper? Wait, what? To put your wife in a pumpkin shell, wouldn't that be a wood chipper? Is this a pun? I'm not getting so. I'm not getting it. <laughs> okay, I don't even know where we're going. You made somebody mad. Hi, I'm the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, this is John from Gresham. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, last night, uh, okay, my wife was watching it. On Dancing with the Stars, they had Adam Carolla is one of the contestants. Uh-huh. And uh, they were talking about how uh, uh, he was, you know, learning about the, uh, the dance. And, and the person asked him, says, uh, how do you like learning about the uh, dance of love and passion from a 19-year-old dance partner? And he says, well, like my grandfather always told me, if you're going to learn about passion, sex, and prostitutes, you should learn about them from a 19-year-old Mormon girl. <laughs> it was like... The most random thing I could ever have heard. I, you need to get some sound off of that. I do like it when those things sort of sneak out on network television, too. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and, again, he was uh, explaining to her when they were practicing, you know what this is about? It's about prostitutes and pimps. This is about uh, prostitutes and pimps. Yeah. And right. you know which part you're playing, right? All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right. I still got to find the Jody Foster thing from last night. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Afternoon, all. It's another show where we've done Hello. nothing. Hi, how can I help you? Uh, my question is, uh, if a pumpkin shell is a chastity belt, then what exactly would the uh, moniker pumpkin eater refer to? That's a good idea. I'd never thought of that. That's that a really a logical in- next question for me. That's so. an interesting point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yep. Good day. Thank you. All right. There's some means. Here's about. Tim Riley. I'm, well, why shatter his illusion? I, I wanted to let <laughs> him think. That's true. I don't, he, he does feel good. What am I going to go? You're, you're stupid. I already thought of it. Hang up. Here's Tim Riley. So imagine you're driving down the highway and see a... Tire flying through the air, and it smashes right through your windshield. This is what happened to Marion Redinger, at least after she told police, after she got on I-205, and she saw a tire flying through the sky right at her car. The wheel flew off a Volkswagen Jetta heading in the opposite direction. It smashed the Cadillac's windshield and roof, hitting passenger Raiden Redinger and covering him with broken glass. Two other people stopped to help the two medics arrive. Uh, He suffered a broken nose, concussions, and cuts from broken glass. Now, the Jetta driver's getting a ticket for having a loose tire. Jesus. Well, there was... I had some other story. I don't know where I put it. I had some other story. It was one of those stories designed just to terrify the three of us about... It was a... a no, was it a log truck story? Yeah. It was like an old guy in a windy road here in Oregon where, like... It wasn't a log, but it was like a huge piece of building lumber came off the truck in front of him, went right through his passenger window, like six inches from his face. There's a picture of the car with the with like the big two by four, like right through the front, literally just about you know three or four inches from where your head would be. Oh. So that's no good. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, two children playing on a Scottish beach near the town of Arbroath made a startling discovery when they found a woman's severed head inside a plastic bag. The police said they found what appears to be the head of a woman inside of a plastic bag. Uh, they're investigating further. Still no uh, no reports of anyone missing one. Okay. 
Uh, police in Kansas City, Missouri, said a robber who stole from two restaurants on a single day left his wallet at the second location. The man was caught in a security camera robbing a Hardee's. Then he was seen robbing a Subway. The suspect took his wallet out of his pocket while pretending to order food at the Subway, but forgot to put it back in after he robbed the place. <laughs> well done. From Canada comes the word, 28-year-old Laurent Lott has been sentenced to 60 days of weekends in prison after asking a number of women to kick him in the groin. <laughs> the you, ju- okay. The judge also ordered him not to use the Internet and to keep out of parks, schoolyards, <laughs> and other locations where, away from feet where he might ask women. <laughs> One of the seven women uh, he's also known to have approached uh, said she feared what would happen if she didn't do as he asked. So she kicked him in the nads a few times. Excellent. He thanked her, mounted his bicycle, and rode away happily. Kick me in the jimmy! Uh, he claimed that he did it because he was curious. In sentencing, he told the judge, well, it, it's, it's, it was just a remarkable time, but he, well, he didn't say anything more. So he gets uh, 60 days, weekends only. Oh, by the way, here's another one. This is from uh, Lancaster. Uh, 60-year-old Barry L. Myers has died after being impaled by a piece of wooden fencing, which came off a truck traveling in the opposite direction. Uh, his wife, Deborah, in the passenger seat was unhurt. Uh, the truck driver, 73-year-old Vernon McCauley, was heading south on Millersville Road when the accident happened. Police say the load was strapped down but dislodged by the wind when a large piece of wooden fencing flew off the truck directly through the windshield and into Barry Myers' chest. Oh, so, there you go. You don't want that to happen, do you? No. Let's do uh, one more. Tim, I'm going to have you read this, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do some watches. Uh, this is uh, an awful story. It, I just labeled it awful story in big letters. So we're going to read this. We'll go into the break. We'll come back with more. All right. This is called an awful story. A University of Oklahoma fan was ordered today to stand trial on a felony assault charge, accusing him of tearing a Texas fan's scrotum off in a bar fight. Uh, Alan Michael Beckard, who's 54, maintains he was only defending himself from the younger, bigger man, but the other man testified that Beckard attacked him without provocation. Brian Thomas and Beckard began harassing him as soon as he and a friend stepped into Henry Hudson's pub. The second we walked in the door, a gentleman started mouthing off about my Texas Longhorn shirt. Well, Thomas said Beckett kept uh, making gestures at him, so he decided to leave the bar about 25, 30 minutes after he arrived. He paid his tab, turned to leave when Beckett grabbed his crotch. Thompson said the other man would not let go <laughs> until other bartenders uh, broke up the scuffle. During the struggle, he said he heard and felt his scrotum tear. <laughs> I like the idea that you would hear that, and it would be sort of a recognizable sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of those sounds that you've never heard in your life, but the idea that you immediately go, wait, wait, I know oh, what that no, sound no, is. No, 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 no. no, no. That's like a name. I can name that tear in two notes. Well, the injury recovered more than 60 stitches and left him with a very ugly scrotum. The judge refused to reduce the felony assault charge as a misdemeanor. Uh, Beckert is uh, due back in court, let's see, April 16th. Oh, that's coming soon. For a pretrial conference before Judge Twilla Mason Gray. <laughs> Excellent. Come give Uncle Scrotar a hug. Uh, let's take a break, shall we? We'll come yeah. back. Uh, we come back. I've got this email from our, uh, a friend of ours who worked on the lighting crew for the Oprah uh, show where they interviewed the Mr. Mom guy uh, in Bend. Uh, the he she that's going to have a kid. Uh, so we have the inside scoop on that. Watch us when we return. Uh, top five and later on Jim Roop. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Still to come, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Uh, top five, top five uh, musicians you must separate from the music. I agree, by the way, that there's something weird in the air today. Not bad as such. There's just something a little strange out there. I don't know what it is. It's a little strange, yeah. yeah no problem with it. I'm just saying there's kind of an odd vibe out there today, out there in the world. Uh, Rick, uh, somebody sent us another Craigslist post. Oh, I saw this one earlier today, but I didn't read it. This is from uh, Portland Craigslist. Rick Emerson is full of mittens. And by the way, this is not me substituting the word mittens for profanity as we did yesterday. This is actually the word mittens. It says, what are the mittens running KCMD thinking? Mittens head, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so that's kind of funny. Um, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hello. Hey, how can I help you? Uh, listen, this morning, just this morning, I believe it's on Highway 30, they closed down the whole highway this morning because a logging truck lost his load. Really? Another oh, logging Jerry. truck accident? Uh, were there injuries, to the best of your uh, knowledge? From what I know, no, but... I only heard just a snip and said the whole thing. So uh, uh, that's there a could have been, but yeah, it, I mean, you, I know it's your greatest fear. Is my greatest fear? My mom almost got hit by Death falling logs. Wheels so. is what that is. Yeah, that's nobody's idea. Of, no, mm, those things are just disaster waiting to happen. We yeah. all know it's true. Bad right. news, man. Thank you for the heads up. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. And now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Professional wrestler will spend the rest of his life behind bars. Harrison Harbody Jr. You can bet they're rolling out the welcome mat for him. <laughs> will spend the rest of his Put life behind myself. prison on sex trafficking and force labor charges. Apparently, he was bailing women out of local jails around Atlanta and forcing them to become prostitutes. He claimed he ran a training camp for women to become professional wrestlers. Last month, two accomplices to uh, Norris were sentenced to due time in prison. The women involved were assaulted, held in debt, and forced to perform acts against their will. But now, hard body is on his way to the pokey. Uh, Sarah Evans, who finalized a bitter divorce last year, is engaged to former University of Alabama quarterback Jay Barker. The couple are enjoying their engagement and look forward to upcoming nuptials. Now, do you know, does anybody know who Sarah Evans is? No. Okay, Sarah Evans is a country performer. Mm -hmm. uh, she had uh, she had a song called Born to Fly a couple years back. Uh, 2000, they, she had the album Born, Born to Fly. Born to Fly. Yeah, 2001. Uh, she's not bad. She's, not bad. she's a pretty great kind of a neo-traditional sound in a lot of ways. But that's not why anybody cares about the story. Here's why you care about uh, Sarah Evans uh, getting, getting engaged again after this uh, rather... What did you call it? A bitter divorce? Yes. An, ac an acrimonious divorce? Mm -hmm. I'm now going to read to you, by the way. Uh, this is from, um, let's see, is this from USA Today? I think so. I think that's the site for this. Evans has been the subject of numerous controversies. Uh, let's see. Blah, 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 blah. On October 13th, uh, 2006, it was revealed that Evans had filed for divorce from her husband of 13 years, Craig Shelsky. Evans' ex-nanny, Allison Clinton Lee, had sued her for $3 million. Blah, 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 blah. How are, here we go. This, uh... Her estranged husband, now ex-husband Craig Shelsky, accused Sarah Evans of having close to, quote, a dozen affairs. This list includes singer-songwriter Richard Marks, country star Kenny Chesney, Dancing with the Stars uh, partner Tony Dobliani, and all the members of the rock band Three Doors Down. <laughs> How great is that? 
The thing is, in a weird way, that kind of makes me like her more. Do you know what I mean? Because uh-huh. oh, she's a slut? Well, the, well I wasn't going to put... That's how you put it, Sarah. You have to boil <laughs> well, everything okay, was down. Was she not married and sleeping with every person that she toured with or I, touched? I guess... Like, well, that is your... I guess if you really want to bottom line it that way and oversimplify it, I guess my but point is... But I am is, kind of proud of her in a way. I'm saying she decided to go all the way. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're, you know, if you're going to be... Uh, in, this is our uh, observation. If you're going to act like a slut, really act like a slut. Don't just act. Go all out. I mean, don't, don't half-ass that. You're married. You're going to slut around. Don't just bang one guy from three doors down. Bang the entire band, which is really, really... By the one door opens another. <laughs> I need to see what this girl looks like. <laughs> She's pretty hot. Um, so, anyway. So, there you go. And Sarah Evans. Sarah, Sarah Evans, Evans. No H. Yeah, Richard Marks, Kenny Chesney, uh, her, 37 too. Dancing 37, Dancing with the Stars partner and all the members three doors down. <laughs> three doors down? Who sleeps with three doors down? First of all, I mean really honestly. That's oh, like she's pretty. That's like deciding, "Oh, I got to sleep with all the guys in Breaking Benjamin." All right. Uh, well, in any event, here's Yeah, who does sleep with three doors down? Seriously, I mean it's I don't, you know. I don't know all those guys in silver chair. I'm going to Just kiss hooker boobs though. What really? Hold she has on. hooker boobs. Yeah. Go, just look you... up, look up her name, and then go to Google Images, and then let's see the. What do you mean by hooker boobs? Hold on. They're like, they're like porny boobs. Porny boobs. And then go to the eighth picture that comes up. I really wish so. I wish I had someone to whom I could give that nickname. How you doing, porny boobs? Uh, hold on. Here we go. Uh. That's what I call my friend Lisa, hooker boobs. Really? Mm-hmm. That's love. Uh, okay. Let's see. Oh, I can see what you're talking about. There. The enlarge it. Yeah, pardon me. <laughs> that already happened. <laughs> um, which photo should I be clicking on here? The white, like she's wearing like that white snappy top thing. Um, and some buttons. Wow, like, there are five members down. of Three Doors Down. Wow. Five she's members. Busy. Yes, there are. There five male members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, five male members. Their new album is coming May 27th. Uh, whatever. Well, she's kind of a butterface oh, in, in this photo. She's totally a butterface, but um, even in the second picture. This is... Um, those are huge. Yeah. Those are really large. She's got kind of... What's wrong with her face? Uh, she's got <laughs> It looks like she had a bad nose job, and it's like pinched too much. I was going to say, there's something... Uh, that forehead's not doing her any favors either. I was going to... Look, I become immediately all judgmental because she's got the tiniest bit of imperfection. Um... I can't figure out what's wrong, with, what's wrong with her face. There's something off there, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Are you looking at the big, uh, the white picture? Yeah. I mean, it's difficult not to just keep staring at her cleavage, but I'm, uh, there's something odd about her face. It, you're right. It does look like they've, like they, like when God was making her face, he kind of ran out of skin. Yeah, uh, it's really like it's tight all, and pinched it's, up there. Totally, it's not quite as relaxed as it ought to be. Well, anyway. Five. Well, that. The band has five male members. Whatever, I'm done with that joke. Never mind, I didn't get a laugh, I'm moving on. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, in a statement on the group's website, Axel Rose says, We are very surprised and very happy to have the support of Dr. Pepper with our album Chinese Democracy. The fizzy drink firm has pledged to give everyone in the U.S. a free can if the band releases the record. The release date for the upcoming album has been continuously uh, pushed back. It was most recently scheduled for release March 2007, but vanished from the schedule without a new date being set. Maybe we should call the next listener party Chinese Democracy. That sounds delightful. Okay, fine, maybe not. Okay, but here's an idea. Wait, why did you want to call it that? I don't know, just because. Because nobody has Axel Rosen used him for anything. Really, honestly, let's be honest, that name isn't being used for anything right now. Uh, so, okay, I'm just going to put that in the hopper. I don't want to let it take over the show or anything, uh, but a, a couple of things. Uh, don't forget, uh, Listener Party 11 is happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. 
Thursday, uh, May 15th, 8 p.m. This Thursday, uh, the day after tomorrow, we will announce the location. Uh, so the location to be revealed on Thursday, and then Friday we will be announcing the uh, the big idea, the thing, the uh, the um, the theme, the event, the event, the the, the 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 main event, the thing that will be happening there. Yes. Uh, so that's coming up this Thursday and Friday, respectively. All right, Chinese democracy. I'm just kind of putting it out there. So China, So what is it? So Dr. Pepper offered who what? A free can to everyone in the U.S. if the band releases the record. Okay, that's pretty great. Uh, if you are interested in Chinese democracy and the saga thereof, there's a great New York Times article you can read. It came out a couple years ago called The Most Expensive Album Never Made, where they talk about the fact that I think as of now, Chinese democracy has cost something like $23 million, mm -hmm. like so much that it could never make back its money. Like it would be, I think it, it is now mathematically impossible for Chinese democracy to ever turn a profit. Um, they list at the beginning all of the things. Keep in mind, by the way, that the last new Guns N' Roses material was released 17 years ago. 1991 is the last time new guns, I mean, truly wow. new Guns N' Roses material was released. Um, so uh, that is the last new Guns N' Roses album was 1991. So Axl Rose, they said, has, had outlasted Jesus. At this point, what, he's outlasted three presidents and like four heads of the record company, like five different mergers of the record company. The last, when he started working on Chinese democracy, there there was no Internet. There was no MP3. Uh, people did not have cellular telephones. I mean, that's how long he has been working on this one record. So there's a great New York Times article about it, and you all know how small DAT, you know, the d digital audio DAT tapes are. They still um, make those? Well, but I mean, just as a unit of measurement. So DAT tapes are about, uh, I don't know, like maybe th three inches by two inches. I mean, they're very small. They look like the old micro cassettes. And this guy talked about going into the studio where Axel was working on Chinese Democracy, and there's this hallway where they were keeping all of the DAT tapes from the various recording sessions for the album. And he described uh, DAT tapes for Chinese democracy floor to ceiling as far as you could see down this hallway. I mean, like thousands and thousands of DAT tapes full of session music, like music that they had recorded for Chinese democracy. None of it ever used. None of it. They actually had to, they had to create their own proprietary software system to track all of the various tapes and all of the various guitar parts and everything that have been laid down for this record. A record that will never, ever come out. So it's kind of fantastic in its own horrible way, so you got to read that. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Time for a Grave Watch. Here's your Grave Watch for, uh, whatever, for uh, Tuesday, Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. I'm digging up phones. I'm digging up phones. Zooming things that's better left alone. Tim Riley with your grave watch. Badgers have wrecked a graveyard in England, disturbing graves and digging up the dead. A family of badgers have tunneled into the graveyard to extend their uh, neighborhood, destroying graves in the process. However, protection laws mean that church authorities are unable to do anything about the destructive intruders until the end of the badger breeding season. Uh, the widow Shirley was horrified to find several graves collapsing, and the wooden casket containing her late husband Jesse exposed by the tunneling creatures. <laughs> run by badgers. Unfortunately, there's nothing the family can do about it. It broke my heart, said the woman. If it were kids vandalizing these graves, they'd be sent to prison. Uh, we're told if we touch it, we may be arrested. I always wish to be buried next to Jesse. Well, now I'm going to have my ashes scattered in a brook. 
It's the only sacred place we have left. You don't really think that when you die someday that your bones are going to be dug up and scattered all over the world by badgers. Well, there is a Protection to Badgers Act. It is an offense to disturb the badgers with a maximum penalty of six months in jail or $5,000 fine. Well, so, so only during their breeding season, though? I guess, yes. During badger breeding, whenever that might be. Mm-hmm. I think this is actually a double. I think there's a corpse watch uh, right underneath that. You're so correct. Yeah, look at me. A corpse watch. Dateline, New York. The mastermind of a scheme to plunder corpses from funeral homes in the Northeast and sell them for millions of dollars pleaded guilty yesterday in a deal that could send them to prison for more than five decades. Oh, we're revisiting this whole story again. Is this I remember the guy this. that stole the bones of Alistair, Alistair Cook? <laughs> Give me the bones of Alistair Cook. <laughs> Which is, and he just replaced him with, like, garden hose or something? Yeah. Yeah. Or badgers. <laughs> uh, Michael Masterino, a 44-year-old former oral surgeon, confessed to the judge that he carried out the scheme from 2001 to 2005. He faces up to 54 years and will have to forfeit $4.68 million. He pleaded guilty to 14 counts that included enterprise corruption, body stealing, and reckless endangerment. Uh, this plea was made uh, two years after the gruesome scandal broke, with evidences that uh, corpses were hacked up without permission or proper screening for diseases and sold for dental implants <laughs> to your dentist on 82nd. <laughs> Knee and hip replacements. <laughs> Uh, the stolen bodies included those of Masterpiece Theater host Alistair Cook. <laughs> I love the idea, though, that a guy's walking around with Alistair Cook's bones inside him. Yeah. And he had no idea. For dental, for dental replacements. Why are these fake teeth so cheap? You don't ask questions. Lie back. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful and horrible. Uh, so what do they do? Would you re- attempt to cover their tracks? They, sold, they, they showed PVC pipe into the bodies. <laughs> Just in time for open casket weights. <laughs> the indignities don't stop even when you're dead. As Sam Jameson once noted, you like to think that when you're dead, life quits screwing with you. But even after you're dead, they steal your bones, replace them with garden hose, and then you're dug up by badgers. There really is no end to it. Life is just one big series of Fs. Well, it's uh, one final masterpiece what? theater. <laughs> Masterpieces theater, Tim. <laughs> I'm digging up ask you right now, presuming that there was no uh, infection or disease uh, to worry about, would you want to know if you had somebody else's, like, stolen teeth? Or would you just prefer not to know? Tim? I mean, I would ask for them by name. <laughs> I demand the teeth of Alistair Cook. May I have Alistair Cook? I will not. I will, I will not accept any teeth except those of Alistair Cook. The thing is, now the next time you watch Masterpiece Theater and you see Alistair Cook on the screen, you're going to be staring at his teeth. You're going to be fixing <laughs> You won't even be able to concentrate in his intro. Because a lucky person now has Alistair Cook's teeth. <laughs> all, you'll be, all you'll be picturing is just... You'll just be hearing that and just go, I wonder where those teeth are right now. Maybe Lou Dobbs has them. <laughs> where in the world are Alistair Cook's teeth? Because <laughs> Lou Dobbs got those new teeth. <clears throat> and and new been, hair. He's been clanking away ever since. Oh, man. He's got, like, weird Richard Richard Keel teeth. Did you see that that thing that Al, uh, Alistair Cook... Alistair Cook's not saying anything Alistair now. Cook not, saying anything. <laughs> not in his own mouth, anyway. Did you see that thing that Lou Dobbs said yesterday? Which one was that? The thing that CNN... God loves CNN. We're proud CNN affiliate, but... Uh, that thing that Lou Dobbs said in response to Condoleezza Rice talking about race divisions, 
and it was he said it, and then CNN oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. CNN okay. actually struck it from the transcript. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't have the clip in front of me, but Lou Dobbs, who's a little bit crazy, um, uh, was talking, and who always seems to be talking about people who don't look like him. Um, he was talking about uh, Condoleezza Rice made some statement about um, how there are still, you know, even years after. Uh, you know, 100 and whatever years after the Civil War and, what, 42 years after the, 44 years of the Civil Rights Act, you're talking about these racial divisions in the country. And Lou Dobbs, he catches himself at the last minute, like he doesn't finish the last couple of syllables, but the phrase that comes out of Lou Dobbs' mouth clearly is, I am tired of these cotton-picking black leaders. And, like, on television. And you can tell that halfway through that, in the back of his head, no, Lou, abort, abort, no, no, eject. And he he sort of steers, he kind of shuts his mouth halfway through. So what what basically comes out of his mouth is... Let's check it with Lou. Uh, he's got a show coming up in an I hour, so. but I want yeah. to pick his... Oh, darn it. Okay, uh, it's, it's uh, buffering. It, yeah. All right. It's part four. So, so this is Lou Dobbs, and I think uh, he... Yeah, so he's responding to some statement uh, made by Condoleezza Rice. So let me know. Are you? Is it gonna? Uh, okay, let's try it here. One of those words, endlessly buffering. Let's check in with Lou. Uh, he's got a show coming up in an hour, but I want to pick his brain on some intriguing comments from Condoleezza Rice involving race in our country. You, you saw what she said. I saw what she said uh, that the United States has a birth defect on the issue of race. Uh, I, I think it's really unfortunate that Secretary of State Rice uh, believes as she does. Uh, the fact is most Americans don't have a problem talking about race. What we have is a problem uh, of talking about race without fearing uh, recrimination and distortion uh, and uh, someone using whatever comments are made for their own uh, purposes, usually political purposes. The reality is this is the most socially ethnically, religiously, racially diverse society on the face of the earth. Now, Wolf, we don't make enough of that in the national media. We listen to some idiots say you can't talk about race or there ought to be these responses when you talk about race or ethnicity. And too often, in fact, nearly always, we fail to point out that there is no country on the face of the earth as progressive, as racially so and Howard Beale versus our own. Yeah. It's something for us to be proud of. And if any, and, and to hear a politician, whoever it may be, talk about how difficult it is to talk about race, well, the heck with them. Uh, we're living with the issue of race. We've got to be able to talk about it. And I can guarantee you this not a single one of these cotton, you know, these just ridiculous <laughs> politicians yeah. should be the moderator on the issue. And you can hear, hear him. Not a single one of these cotton. Yeah, I mean, these just ridiculous you, politicians. You can hear like the weird uh, moderator, the old the white guy race. thing kicking. They're like, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that. Now the funny part is, if you go and look at the CNN transcript, that's all removed. CNN has they've taken that whole section out. That is a that's not made it under the official CNN transcript of that moment. So I think he has Alistair Cook's teeth anyway. I I think he's got that and. Perhaps some sort of worm inside of his brain. <laughs> Perhaps some sort of large cantaloupe-sized tumor. Uh, all right. Maybe talk about how difficult it is to talk about race. Jesus. Well, the heck with them. Uh, we're the heck living with the issue of race. Right. We've got to be able to talk about it. And I can guarantee you this. Not a single one of these cotton... Yeah, I mean, no, just no. Nah, record. Uh, let me read this really quickly. Uh, we'll do one more uh, news story, then we'll break. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Jim Roop, top five. Uh, so this, we'd been talking about this guy, the pregnant tranny man, uh, oh, yeah. the, uh, the Mr. Mom mm -hmm. in, uh, uh, let's see, where is it? Bend, Oregon. And so this is the woman 
who became a man, who is now pregnant. And there's this. Have you seen this? Aaron, re- send me a soundbite for this. Oh, uh, have you seen this really disturbing photograph of them too no. on Odyssey magazine? Yeah. Right here. Yeah, that's from yesterday. Did we? I didn't Can see I the that? picture somehow yesterday, though. I must have missed that. Well, we've been busy. <clears throat> I don't think I saw the photo yesterday. We had the story, but I don't think I saw the photo of him and his wife or husband, whatever, uh, posing. Interesting. And so we had, uh, so we'd had this theory. This is the story you read yesterday where you said that the theory was that it was going to be some sort of a punk thing, where it was going to be some April Fool's gag. So far, it hasn't been. <coughs> well, apparently, pardon me, apparently it's not. So we've got this. This is from our good friend um, uh, Siegfried, and he does a lot of film work here. Uh, he worked on that Diane Lane film. Uh, and he worked on, um, what were you, what else were you saying? He worked oh, Jennifer on Anderson. the Jennifer Aniston thing. He says, Rick, I worked on the Oprah, uh, show and shot this four day, fi- uh, four day filmed episode about two weeks ago about the pregnant guy that will air next week or something. It is not a hoax. Totally for real. I know it's April Fool's Day, but it's not an Ashton Kutcher, uh, it's not the Ashton Kutcher thing. The British media thinks it is. Says the couple lives in Bend, Oregon. After being uh, kind of treated like crap as a gay couple, they move there. I don't know why they think Bend will be a more tolerant city, uh, but they were a nice couple. The legal guy had uh, a thin, wispy beard, which was odd as we filmed the show because everyone was rubbing the belly. When I first hooked up their microphones, I was freaking out and having a real-life mini-nightmare, like you or Sarah have in your studio, because their voices sounded like Captain Janeway, and I thought the EQ was all wrong, and I kept trying to fix it. Um, it was how they... What? More premature birth sounders? Maybe. Uh, it said it was how they really sounded. It was all the hormones they have had, and it plays havoc on your vocal cords. Uh, here's the science stuff you wanted to know. The chick had surgery to remove the top bits to legally be a guy. Then I guess when you take testosterone, the innie becomes an outie. Really? He says, yes, the... This is a Siegfried describing it now. The female bits have become inverted, and this is how he phrases it, and are used in the getting it on part of the relationship. They then, they then had an in vitro fertilization and are having this currently six-month-old, uh, the six-month kid, uh, six months along. He says, yeah, I get all the best gigs. Me and the other camera guy at the end of the day uh, uh, were just kept saying uh, best day ever, blah, 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 blah. So anyway. He says it's not just the topic. He said it's I, I now know way more about this couple's love life than I ever thought I would know or wanted to know. Uh, he said I wasn't a big getting married and having a kid guy before, and this kind of solidifies this. By the <laughs> way, I now have to take a mental Drano bath. So uh, anyway, there you go. So that's Siegfried. So he was there. So that's I guess the word. He was there um, working on the shoot for this four-day interview they did for the Oprah show. So I guess that's the deal from them. All right, let's do one more here, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back on the other side. Well, a British woman says she was attacked by a rat that came through the pipes when she was sitting on the toilet. Oh. Uh, Maxine Killingback jumped up in shock after the rodent bit her in the leg. Uh, it was a big black one, seven or eight inches long, she says. Uh, I was trying to climb up, but I kept sliding back down. I put a plunger down the toilet, but I kept, try- I kept trying to get up. She's uh, 55. She says she ran for the flat and called the agency that oversees her public housing unit. But officials told her it was an emergency. She just had to wait her turn. Can you read that story one more time? Can you read that story one more time, please? Just exactly the way you just read it. A British woman says she was attacked by a rat. They came up through the pipes while she was sitting on the toilet in her bathroom. Uh, Maxine Killingback jumped up in shock after the rodent bit her leg. It was a big black one, about seven or eight inches long. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to climb up, 
And I kept sliding back down. I kind of plunged down the toilet, but I kept trying to get out. So she ran for the flat, called the agency that oversees the public health unit. But the official told her it wasn't an emergency. She just had to wait her turn. Uh, oh. The agency spokesman said it was impossible to make an immediate appointment <laughs> for its rat-free control service due to high demand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you like this movie we're, read again? We're children. Yeah, we're such infants. Oh, man. <laughs> we have to take a break. There was a big black one, about seven or eight inches long. I, kept, I was trying to climb up, but I kept sliding back down. Well, I tried to put a plunger down the toilet, but I kept trying to get out. Who can, bl- who can blame her? It was an emergency. You must wait your turn. That's a common problem. Back after this. the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. Okay. All right, here's what's coming up. Uh, More from Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour. Today's top five still. This, however, from Los Angeles is the one and only James. Joining us from CNN. Why, hello, James Roof. How are you today? Okay. Happy, happy April 1st to you. Thank you. How's live? Are you, we caught you mid-chuckle. Were you thinking of back on a body limerick you heard earlier today? No, no, just, I just like your show. All right. <laughs> Thank you. We like you, Jim. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Ugh. It's just, this whole day has just been, there's a weird vibe in the air here in Portland today. I can't speak for Los Angeles. Oh, no, it's here too, man. It's, it's, it's very weird. It's like... My brain's cloudy. Yeah, there's well, there's a brain cloud, and then uh, everybody, both here in the studio and then uh, the the audience, there's a whole lot of this is a bunch of some strangeness today. It, where it, you know, it's not bad. It's just everybody seems a little uh, little off kilter. That's spring fever, dude. Leaning ever so slightly toward unstable today. So I'm just just leaning that way though. So well, it is uh, it is April first. I'm unclear about this CNN thing. I'm reading this here. It now is. Is this you discussing April Fools, or did CNN actually have you perpetrating April Fools pranks uh, on people? You know, every year I I try and do something. Uh, the idea is to take something real, like high gas prices and our dependence on foreign oil, and create something that is so ridiculous people would believe it. So I I told people that the government wants to give us little personal waste processing devices that attach to our toilet. That will turn our human waste into fuel. Now, see, that's a thing that has the germ of believability. Yeah. It does seem like, here's why, it, maybe not here in America, but it seems like the thing that, like, some other country, that's like a thing they would start doing in Japan. You know, well, they would sell, like, some super toilet that gives you, like, a back massage and then turns your waste into, like, uh, you know, like liquid fuel yeah, or can, something or other. You can charge your iPod on your crap. Kind of <laughs> exactly. You know, that's but exactly. I, and I, I said, but the issue really is that the government is concerned that people will start abusing laxatives when they need to go on long vacation. Please tell me that everybody you interview was too smart to fall for it. No, they weren't too <laughs> smart. <laughs> that, it, in fact, there was one guy, I, I, I almost got punched, and i got to find this piece and maybe send it to you. 
but in front of his girlfriend, oh yeah, I know all about that. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, and and I've had it. I said April Fool's, and he just got so ticked off. Uh, he just laughed. At him. He looked like an idiot in front of this girl, and it uh, was beautiful. Because he was he was fronting as though he was oh, aware. Oh yeah, of it. sure. Uh, that's a, yeah. Yeah, I read about that uh, a couple of years ago. They actually got those out now, huh? That's pretty good. Excellent. Uh, so, just as a side note here, and I know that we're all sick of talking about this, but we had this brief note on this yesterday, uh, and that Tim had talked about it, and so it's sort of the final word. But this this business of what's her name, Anna Nicole Smith, and the kid, I guess that yeah. he died of a drug overdose and whatever. There was an accident. Um, so just as we sort of get ready to never ever think about any of those guys ever again. I wanted to ask a couple of questions. A, did they ever, I mean, because it just seems like a decade now that they've been doing this thing of fighting over the, the what's his name, Howard Marshall, the billionaire guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, did they ever, is that still that's going on? Settled, yeah, that's still going on. Jesus. I mean, how long does it take to figure out whether you were in somebody's will? You know what I mean? You know, I, I don't know. There's all kinds of, there's still motions being filed and papers being filed and uh, trying to block this, trying to block that. And what's going to take even longer now is that she's dead, you know? So it, it's not until someone actually wants to fight for the little girl to, be, to get a piece of that that anything's going to happen. I would imagine that um, she, the, the, there's some sort of trust or something the family, uh, uh, Marshall's family, wants to put together for her. I, w- I would only think that that's it. And they'd say, look, we'll give you, you know, a half a million dollars to start this trust now, let it build over the next 18 years, and she'll have a nice nest egg to go to college and all that. Uh, but I don't know what's going on, just that it's it's still happening and it's not settled. All right, and the kid lives with, uh, what's his name, Larry Burkhead? Yes. And then Howard K. Stern is off. What, is, what does that guy do? What, is it, what does he do for a living, well, do you suppose? He was a lawyer, and, uh, and he, he became her personal lawyer. I can't imagine anybody, re- him being like, like, like the top of the list. Can like you if you imagine? Like he had a whiplash. No, 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 get me Howard K. Stern. That's the only person I'll allow to represent me at this point. <laughs> I mean, really, he's... He is going to be, as the DEA would say, he's going to have no visible means of support pretty soon. I well, would he's imagine. got to feel pretty good that this jury in the Bahamas said, you know, there's no wrongdoing in the death of Daniel because a lot of people were thinking, hey, Howard Kay may have uh, helped this guy with his overdose <laughs> yeah. get him out of the will. So he, you know, so I, I think Howard K. Stern's probably feeling pretty was good. Was there a lot of, uh, let me warm you up by putting this pillow on your face? Yeah. Kind of, all right. <laughs> All right, uh, all right. Well, I have, uh, I have nothing. I have nothing else. I've, I've wrong. If you do find the audio of the guy nearly taking a swing at you, please send that to me. Those are the things I really live for. You bet. I long ago, I haven't done like an April Fool's thing on the radio for a long time, just because it's like, because it, all the DJs do it, and I can never come up with anything that's interesting enough. Yeah. See, I don't have your knack for it. I can't well, come up with anything that's sort of interesting and believable. I think I'm the only reporter in the history of reporting that loves doing MOS. I just love goofing with people. Well, yeah, because well, especially in Los Angeles, where it's just like one. I mean, it's oh, like it's like great. a freak parade down there. It's just goon town. So yeah, you, just, you got just like one genetic defective after another in that city. Yeah, the worst thing is when you have to find intelligent people to comment on issues. <laughs> that, that takes like a hundred people to interview to get five. That is, uh, you that, know. But man, I can I can knock out a goofy MOS in, in fifteen minutes with all the people you're here. You're doing good work for the people, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right, have a, a fantastic April first. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. Thank you. All right, thank you. There you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. All right, uh, I'm going to read. <coughs> pardon me, I'm going to read one story here. And then uh, uh, there's a question for Sarah and I. Then we'll break. We'll come back. Uh, Tim, top five, uh, so forth. There was something else I was going to get to. Wait. No, no, no. Mm, there's a hor- uh, Let me write this in a horribly awkward Susan Reynolds story. I'll get to that later.
Not a, from her vacation? Not about her. Well, I'll just tell you now. So it's so here's like uh, if, if you already if you if you already were planning not to have kids, but you want like solidification of that uh, that outlook. So there was this horribly awkward moment where she was uh, in San Francisco. I guess they were staying. Uh, they were staying uh, sort of like in a, in a like a uh, uh, like a, a condo or something, or maybe, or maybe it was like in a guy's, like in a, in a. What am I trying to say? She and her husband and their two daughters had gone to San Francisco, and I think uh, her husband has a has a, a friend there, uh, and they were all kind of staying in the same sort of. Uh, it was like a, like one big condo, but anyway, it was like Susan and her family and this other guy, and they were kind of staying in the same place. Uh, and I don't know if it's a condo or if it's like a big, like a rental or whatever, but they were basically in the same house. So it was her family, and then this other guy was staying there, too. It was kind of like a get-together for some friends. Mm-hmm. So I guess this other guy, who is a friend of Susan's husband, apparently he's a bit of a, as she put it, he's a bit of a player. Uh, so I guess he has a, he has many lady friends uh, that he occasionally spends time with, and I think he lives there. Mm-hmm. So the deal is, there's Susan and her husband and their kids they're staying in this house, and I think in a, in another room in the same house, this guy is staying there. And again, he's uh, I guess he uh, he engages in l'amour uh, very frequently. So as she described it, uh, everybody had sort of retired for the evening. It was like eight or nine o'clock. Susan is there. Susan's there with the kids. They're doing whatever. I think they're watching TV or something. And she said at one point through the very thin walls. Uh, no, yeah. like your sister's story. Yes, exactly. Came the sound of this guy. Uh, who I compared to Larry on Three's Company, this guy sort of entertaining one of his female friends. And as Susan described it, it wasn't that you could hear him so much as that you could hear, hear her. And apparently she was very vocal. And there's the awful moment where... Let me ask you this, Sarah. Oh, I don't know. No, no, no. I'm just asking. Let's say let's say you were a mom. A horrifying thought, to be sure. But let's say that you're a mom. You have a, you have a, a 10-year-old daughter. And this happens to you. You are there, and through the thin walls, you hear the sounds of... Amorous passion. And the daughter says, what's that? <laughs> what do you say, Sarah? I, oh, can make a whole, I, don't... I can make a whole phone topic out of this you right totally now. You totally should. All because... right. We're going to do, do an ad hoc high concept topic right now. It's 503 so I'll, I'll let the people answer. So you can give your answer. It's 503-733-2970. Or maybe this has actually happened. Now I do sound like one of those shows. Or maybe this has actually happened to you and you'd like to... I could do afternoons on the buzz with this kind of uh, huh. subject matter. Uh, so it's 503-733-2970. I don't know what I, cause I, I just can't picture myself having children. And so. she's 10, I think. I'm, I, I think she's 10 years old, which means that she's not, you know, she's not a little kid. She's not a baby, but she's not uh, not in puberty yet. Let's put it that way. She's not, uh, I don't think she's had uh, the talk. Uh-huh. So maybe she hasn't. I would think kids these days would be, uh, like, well aware. See, that's, I don't really know the answer to this. Yeah. 10, I, don't, I don't know if you, you haven't had the sex talk at 10, though, have you? That seems pretty early. What's 10? Fifth grade? I guess, yeah. Yeah, if, no. kindergarten, if kindergarten is five, then 10 would be fifth grade. Oh, the grade. times are different these days, right? That is I don't true. know. All right, in any event, uh, so we will now uh, have a high-concept discussion. It's 503-733-2970. So you're there uh, with your 10-year-old. Uh, through the walls, you hear the sounds of lovemaking. And the 10-year-old says, what's that? Uh, what do, What would your response be, and what do you think Susan said? Sarah? I I think Su- – well, I don't know what I'd say, but Susan might have said um... – and she, he was tickling her? I, <laughs> I, <laughs> or they were playing, um, God, I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm stumped. Do you know how you find out if a woman's ticklish? How? You give her some test tickles. 
so tickling, <laughs> tickling, that's what you would say? I do know what Susan said, by the way. She did, I wrote down what she said because it's fantastic. Um, they're playing some sort of game. I don't know. All right, fair enough. Okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I've had it happen, and it was my sister and my brother-in-law, and my daughter was actually eight at the time. So this is you and your eight-year-old daughter, and then you're hearing your sister and your brother-in-law uh, humping away like ferrets. Oh, yeah. Big time, big noise, and movement of the wall. I have to ask you oh. this. Paintings, the paintings are jiggling. I have to ask you, uh, so was it your sister or the brother-in-law who was noisier? Oh, oh, joint noise. So, uh, so, so my my first thing was I was going to tell her that uh, they were massaging each other because my daughter I had given me a massage on the feet and I was like, oh yeah, that feels good. Right. And since uh, they were both making the noise and the wall was moving, I just looked at her and I said, they're having sex. <laughs> and her eyes got really big and she went, oh. And shut her mouth and didn't ask again. And just sort of stared silently at the floor, shifting back and forth well, uncomfortably. I guess the truth is probably, yeah, one of the best things to say in that situation. I guess. I think if you're a parent, though, maybe the fear is, and I don't have any kids, but I guess maybe the fear is, I don't want to say that because then it's going to trigger a whole cavalcade of, it's going to open that whole Pandora's box I don't want to open for a couple of years. So. Well, and, well, exactly. And, and the sex questions that come up, yeah. it's like there's that minute that you, you know, you're deer in the headlights and you go, do I answer honestly or, you know, do I, oh, the stork brought it, yeah. you know, kind of thing. You answer honestly, but, and it's fantastic. And yeah. so, you know, then you're like, when Ugh. two people are married and they really love each <laughs> other. And you find yourself turning into your own parents. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know that in three years you're like, okay, now here's a condom. Yeah. And, totally. you, and then you give them a totally different talk. Was, so it, that you're, was it the happiest moment of your life when the sex was over? Um... Well, no, it wasn't the happiest moment. I mean, moment. But you know what I mean? Were you, did you breathe? It was my most relieving moment. A sigh of like, relief. And I was like, dude, how long can they do it? <laughs> and it just, and it just, time seems to be drawing out well, we, slowly. Well, because they're like both in their forties, and it's like, get it over already. <laughs> Spoken like a married woman. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Good one. Bye now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yo. Yo. What up? What's up? It's Mikey. Okay, here we are. Yeah. Really? Good talk. Thanks. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Wow, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that has happened to me. Uh, my daughter was like six or seven at the time. Mm -hmm. And sister-in-law and her boyfriend, humping away in the next room, what are they doing? Well, they're wrestling. They're wrestling. Wrestling, that's, that's a good, good one. That's good, especially you know, if the kid is pretty young. Yeah, exactly. But now at 10, my daughter is 10, she knows what sex is, and uh -huh. she would understand. So, I don't know. And so there's just no... Now, does it, where, did it lead to... I mean, were you... Well, I guess you didn't have to... She was six or seven at the time, because I guess when right. at 10, yeah, I think the issue is you just don't want to say something that's going to trigger then an endless cavalcade of follow-up questions. Especially what's going on. Can Probably. I go? Yeah. Can I go wrestle, too? <laughs> Wrestling no. sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh, 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 see, I know as a father that's just got to be like a uniquely oh, horrifying thing, too. Yeah, Can I ask is, you this yeah. question just man-to-man? Uh, sure. -man. As, a, as a father of a... You know, you, you have a daughter. Uh, if you're a father of a daughter, do you... Uh, I mean, can you help but but immediately flash back to all of your worst moments as a teenage boy? I mean, is it just the way it works? 
Uh, pretty much, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry for you, mm. sir. Oh, yeah. All it's right. going to be horrible. That's why God made booze. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Uh, hi. The wrestling one's the best one. They're wrestling. Wrestling sounds exciting, Dad. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, yeah, that first uh, lady had it right. Now, you know, I'm not a parent, and uh, nor do I ever plan to be. But, you know, I've always uh, heard a great quote, which is, if your kid's old enough to ask the question, they're old enough to hear the answer. Yeah, well, I suppose. As Sarah said, the young people are they are growing up at a rapid pace these days. And what you don't want them to do is go and, and uh, talk to their friends at school and say, hey, you know, this is the experience I had. What do you think? Because they're not going to get anything uh, anything near the truth from kids their own age. Because then it's going to be the giggling buck friend who just breathes heavily and tells them that, like, you can reuse a condom. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Timmy Ryan. All right. That's awesome. I'm out. Thank you. All right. Hey, watch it. Turn it inside out. Uh, final high concept call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I would have to say he's killing her. <laughs> That's a great call to end on. Thank you. All right. Bye. Richie, we're going to... Uh... Richie, That's enough. <laughs> Richie, we're going to bring the curtain down on this. That's pretty great. Uh, here's what the survey says. Susan said... Um, I think Susan actually said it's a baby. I think Susan actually said it's a baby next door. Uh, but uh, now that I say that, it seems like she might have it's given... It's a baby? I think she might have given two like answers. Crying? I think she might have given like a supplementary answer later. Good afternoon, world. Hi, Dave Zinn. <laughs> uh, is Susan around? I thought you wanted to talk to me. I'm sorry. I always want to talk to you, Dave, but there's just not enough time for our conversation. It would be too in-depth. I don't think Susan's here, but here's her extension. All right, thank you. He's just in the, He's out. Odd, just a one ring. This is Susan Reynolds, uh, marketing director uh, for CBS. Now, either that or she's silencing. There it. were there were two there were two answers. I think at first she tried. I think the, the the mistake that Susan made is she tried to play it off as one thing, and then when the kid didn't buy that, I think she tried to play it off as something else. Okay. I think at first she tried to say that it was a baby crying or a baby laughing or something, and I think the kid didn't buy that, and so I think then later Susan's then response was, no, 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 he's just telling her jokes. So that was, she tried to... <laughs> and that was her laughing? The woman was laughing because the guy was telling her a series of jokes. So I think at first, the way I wrote it down here, I'm trying to decipher my own handwriting. I think that her daughter said, what's that? And I think Susan said, oh, I think that's a baby laughing. And I think that didn't wash with the daughter. And the daughter said, that doesn't sound like any baby I've ever heard. And I think Susan made a show of listening. Like she put a pantomime, like, no, 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 let me listen again. And then she said, no, 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 I think she's just laughing at some jokes. So there you go. Which, by the way, did not convince the daughter. Oh, that's so, awkward. There you go. Daughter catches your line about sex. Let's take a break here. Back after this, Tim Riley and the top five around the corner. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Day, Rick. Things, things white people like. Entry 101. <laughs> well, that's a site where you can lose hours of your life, by the way. I have, too. Especially when you realize that about three-quarters of it applies to you. You know what 98% of that uh, site is? It's stuff my wife likes. You can go to that stuff whitepeoplelike.com. It might as well be stuff Laura likes. How appropriate was that? Um, the best one is buying a house in an up-and-coming neighborhood. Well, gentrification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I saw. I was looking at that site yesterday, 
And number two, which was brilliant, because it's a thing that I've talked about for a long time, it was, um, which is what makes it brilliant, uh, it was um, religions their parents don't belong to. And uh, oh. the, he had the description where he said, um, white people, this is a thing you see all the time in Portland, too. He said that uh, white people love to describe themselves as spiritual, but not religious, which is translated as I'll belong to any religion that doesn't have Jesus in it. All right. 503. And then, you know, pop, and then he said, you know, the popular choices include Wicca, Kabbalah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's great. Uh, 503-733-2970. Let me read this email or this uh, uh, story. Then we'll go to Tim Riley. Then we'll do the top five. I've been teasing this for a while. This is from uh, Australia. Body in drum killer says he's still in love. A man who murdered... You have to keep this song going. <laughs> I it? will. A man who murdered his wife and kept her remains in a 44-gallon drum for 23 years <gasps> will spend 21 years in jail. In February, a Supreme Court, found, uh, Supreme Court jury found Frederick Boyle of Carnham Downs guilty of murdering his first wife. Mrs. Boyle disappeared in October 1983. At the time, Boyle told police she'd been having an affair and had run off with a truck driver named Ray. There was no Ray. In reality, she was shot dead. Shot on the head and strangled with her husband's tie. He put his wife's body in a hessian sack and then stuffed her into a drum. He kept the drum for 23 years. This sounds like a Paul Harvey thing. He kept the drum for 23 years. But what happened? How did the drum get discovered? Even moving it when the family relocated. During the trial, Boyle maintained his innocence, saying that he had found his wife dead in their bed and had panicked, hiding her body because, quote, he had a low opinion of the police. It doesn't say how they discovered the drum, actually. The jury rejected his version of events, finding him guilty of one count of murder. At his uh, plea hearing, Boyle's banister, Jane Dixon, told Justice Jack Forrest that Boyle still loved his wife. He feels that a bit of himself was buried in the drum with her. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Only one out of two students graduate from high school in U.S. cities. Three out of ten U.S. public school students do not graduate from high school. And major school districts only graduate one out of two students. That's according to a new study released today. No, wait, but uh, I'm confused. How is it that the headline says one out of two don't graduate, and then the next sentence is three out of ten don't graduate? <laughs> Correct. Did one of those non-graduates <laughs> write the story? Apparently so. <laughs> In a report of graduation rates around the country, EPA Research and the America's Promise Alliance has shown that the high school graduation rate, finishing 12 grades of school in big cities, falls to as low as 34% in Baltimore, Maryland, well and done. apparently over 40% in troubled Ohio cities such as Columbus and Cleveland. Those experiencing the highest graduation rate, Asian Americans at 80%, followed by ordinary white people, 76.2%. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, with the uh, with the impoverished U.S. film industry trying to cut costs, orchestras in Prague, Budapest, and Sofia are increasing uh, their Hollywood music scores. Bulgaria is now the new hotspot for recording in Hollywood. In the 1990s, Bulgaria's film industry was in dire straits. There wasn't enough money to make a film, and many looked to other opportunities to survive. But now they score some 50 features a year. American movies are flocking to Bulgaria. Let me just read this email about Susan's answer regarding sex. Rick, I don't have a baby, but I've been around my fair share. Never once have I been around a baby whose cry sounded like an adult having sex. Can you imagine how unsettling that would be? 
Let's imagine it right now. Oh, that's the creepiest thing I've ever pictured. I wish that I could never have thought that. Like, why did that, why did that person have to put that in our head? Oh, that's so unnerving. Oh, jeez. I keep thinking of Storm for some reason. All right, here's Tim Riley. No, two PSU basketball players have been sent to a Mexican prison. Two of the basketball players held after what the school says was an altercation in Cabo San Lucas. A guard, Jeremiah Dominguez, and Senator Scott Morrison played on the Vikings team. Apparently, uh, they're surprised and disappointed in the action <laughs> and poor judgment of and, the student-athletes. fearful, I would imagine. Uh, prior to this, they conducted themselves in a positive manner. But then when they go to Mexico, <laughs> well, apparently one has a broken jaw. And we don't know exactly what they did to the uh, local ladies there, but <laughs> I can't imagine. there's nothing they would do in America, certainly. And I can't imagine that life in a Mexican prison is all that fun. Mm -hmm. That's... Uh, that's got to be a step down from your average uh, American incarceration, I would imagine. So enjoy yourself. Yes. Have fun. All right. By the way, these are the first students from PSU to ever be incarcerated in a Mexican prison. Well, maybe they get a prize of some kind. That could be. Or less of a buggering. Uh, shall we do the top five? Oh, yes. Here's your top five for Tuesday five, on the Rick Emerson four, Show. Four, three, two, one, fire. <laughs> Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Uh, by the way, tomorrow's top five. Tomorrow's top five, if you would like to get your submissions. We had a lot of uh, people submit to this. This was sort of a listener-compiled top five. If you'd like to get your suggestions for tomorrow, tomorrow's top five. Top five songs that are a lot creepier than they sound. Tomorrow's top five, top five songs that are a lot creepier and or darker uh, than they sound. There you go. That is tomorrow's top five. Well, I'm sending you one now. Get your suggestions. There you go. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. And sometimes in the world of music, it becomes necessary to separate the art from the artist, the music from the musician, and the horrible human being from their creations. Case in point, the following five individuals. These are the top five musicians who must be viewed separately from their music. But I will mention going to David Allen Coe. Proud, tried and true. He till his heart is black where, where does one begin with David Allen Coe? Um, the hard time. Tim? I don't know where to begin for David Allen Coe. Um, so, I mean, a legitimate country pioneer. Yeah. Uh, a, a towering songwriter in country music. Loved by millions. Loved by, loved by millions. Uh, wrote a lot of songs that people uh, grew to know through other artists. He wrote some hits for Tanya Tucker. Would You Lay With Me in a Field of Stone. He wrote uh, Take This Job and Shove It, which was, of course, a hit for Johnny Paycheck. Um, let's see if I bleep this, shall we? No, we're coming up on this. Uh, is it family friendly? Well, the Manson family. There we go. Uh, oh, good lord! Yeah. So well, he is from the south. He is. He is from the south, Sarah. <laughs> oh well, that's okay. He's from Barcelona. Um, Wait, what year was this? Uh, the seventies. That it country came out of like seventy three. Yeah. Hmm. But a guy who was a vastly influential songwriter. I mean, I you know actually I think uh, is it is it couple that I've heard playing. You never even call me by my name. It might be. I mean, he's written songs that are fantastic. Has written amazing, really powerful, moving, gripping country songs. Had a huge hit called uh, "The Ride," which is an amazing song. But has his entire career marred by this one album that he put out. 
in the 70s, which is just full of the most vile, horrible, racist crap you can possibly imagine. Which to this day he insists he put out as a joke. Uh, you know he's doing that That's thing, they, doing that thing they all do of hiding behind. The, no, 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 it's satire. It's uh, it's supposed to be a parody of racism. Southern satire. Southern satire. Uh, which is too bad because the guy has written some really beautiful pieces of music, uh, which now. You can really never listen to because of all of this uh, crap that he put out on this one record in the 70s for really no readily apparent reason. So he does seem a little bit crazy to most of the time and more than a little bipolar. So that probably contributes to it. But uh, anyway, so there you go. So he's a classic example of that. These are the top five musicians you must separate from their music. Number five, Rick James. Where does one start with Rick James? <laughs> Bitch. Uh... I love that you couldn't resist. Oh, you have to now. I mean, this this is a great song. Um, this is about being in love with Mary Jane. Um, influential songwriter, influential performer. It wasn't just Super Freak. A lot of his songs sampled by rap artists. Uh, Cast a long shadow in the world of R&B and funk. Also, I do believe kidnapped a woman, uh, tortured her sexually, and repeatedly burned her with a crack pipe. Jeez. You know, so there you go. So you got that. (laughs) I just know the happy Dave Chappelle show. Yeah. Held a woman hostage as a sex slave and repeatedly burned her with a red hot crack pipe. So there you go. So try to think about that the next time you're enjoying You Can't Touch This. Top five musicians you must separate from their music. Number four, Axl Rose. Ah, dear Axl Rose. Um, So... Lots of Guns N' Roses talk today. I, uh... Well, everybody knows the saga of Axl Rose. Um... I used to love her But I had to kill her So Axl Rose, like David Allen Coe, has sort of been dogged by a couple recordings. Uh, one in particular has sort of followed Axl Rose around his whole life. A song called One in a Million, which is off this album, which is off Lies. Uh, which is... Well, you wouldn't hear a children's choir. You, you really wouldn't. Which is racist and homophobic and generally horrible. Uh, you know, and a guy who was given, and still is given, to saying all kinds of awful, repellent, indefensible things. But, of course, then the misery of it is he's a pretty amazing songwriter and a pretty amazing frontman, which means it's, you can't dismiss him easily. And that's really the problem with everybody on this list, is if they were just talentless hacks, or if they had no skill... Uh, you could just toss them under the pile of people you never need to think about again. Mm-hmm. But, of course, a lot of people who are generally horrible human beings balance it out by having some really amazing ability, which means that you can't entirely dismiss them. So, anyway, so he's going to uh, live the rest of his life trying to live down uh, that one five-and-a-half-minute song, which really never needed to exist. Anyway. Yep. Number three, now listening to live streaming in hell, it's Ike Turner. Ike Turner. Um, oh, Ike. I... Ike Turner, who, when some of these songs too are really difficult because you you listen to these songs and all the lyrics they take on these odd, strange new meanings. So you got to separate Ike Turner. He's a true rock and roll artist, created what is generally referred to as the first ever rock and roll song, which is called Rocket '88. Also, though, when trying to defend himself uh, against charges that he abused Tina Turner, said that he never beat her. He did though smack her around when she had it coming, and. You know, blah, 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 have some cake, blah, 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 whack, whack. 
These are the top five artists you must separate from their music. Number two, a terrible stranger with candy. It's Gary Glitter. Huh. Gary Glitter, um, I don't know that he's actually been... Well, he was. Was he convicted of pedophilia, or is it just kitty porn at this point? I think it was just kitty porn. Yeah, I think they found kitty porn on his computer uh, multiple times now. I do believe. I think he was actually thrown into a Vietnamese prison because they found him in bed with two twelve-year-olds. He claimed they were just cuddling. Yeah. Oh. Um. And it's hard to uh, really realize at this point because I think people have sort of tried to distance themselves from his music. But, I mean, he was a huge figure in Britpop, in glam rock of the 70s. I mean, that Rock and Roll Part 2 song is the one we hear in America, but he had scores of hits in Britain. I mean, he was really a towering figure. Check out the hook on this song. Call them. I love you, love. I love you, love you, love me. It's a great song. Uh, just like a, he also did. Um, here's another one that's awkward now. That song, Do You Want to Touch Me? Oh. That's what, see, that's what I mean. And everybody knows that song, too. And it's just you listen to it now and you kind of go, uh, you sort of cringe a little bit. So. Ugh. It's entirely possible Gary Glitter should have been number one, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was the, the kitty porn and all? And the cuddling 12-year-old. Yeah, I think that was his defense. No, 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 we're all in bed, but we were just watching movies. Ugh. Speaking of cuddling, we now go to number one. Anybody? anybody Michael anybody Jackson? Know? There yeah. you go. Fantastic. <laughs> um, the... Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman. What an awkward top five. I feel like I need to scrub now. Um, I think it was, it was very creative. It's, you know, all of these, like David Allen Coe. He's the one that really pains me, him and Axl Rose. So I'm such a big David Allen Coe fan. And, you know, you find yourself, it's like with Axl Rose, when that horrible One in a Million song came out, which is just filled with all kinds of horrible, racist, you know, homophobic crap. And there's really no defending it. And people go, well, what about that song? And you kind of have to go, well, I... Yeah, and there's just, you can't, there's really no argument you can make. Uh, you know, but they're just too talented to really dismiss. Tupac Shakur is the same way. I'm a big Tupac Shakur fan. And he had this utterly irredeemable song called, uh, called Hit Him Up, um, where I do believe he's actually threatening to kill the children of somebody or other, like by name. So that's bad. Um, anyway, so we were at that Kahunaville restaurant in Las Vegas, uh, me and Lara and Aaron and Jen, and this song came on. And we were talking about, like, what a great song this still is. I mean, this song in particular, I mean, this is, it's an amazing song. Mm-hmm. And uh, you really do in your head have to draw a distinction between this song and Michael Jackson. I mean, you have to, as Aaron Sorkin says, uh, separate the stuff from the stuff. All right. Well, I got to go wash now. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, I thought that you had set that up. That's impressive. No. All right, so uh, here's a funny thing that's happened. So just now, so again, we have to thank the Portland Tribune and Don Taylor uh, and the great article about about us, about the show. Uh, it's on the um, front page of the Portland Tribune Life section, front page of the uh, B section, the only section anybody reads. Uh, the front page of today's Portland uh, Tribune Life section. 
at the bottom is a, a huge article about the show. And there's this picture of me standing at the water cooler with our friend Chris. Are you say Boba Fett. <laughs> No, it's because I have to. So it's me standing there at the water cooler talking to Boba Fett. Wah, wah. And I made the observation to Sarah. I said, I said, it's a really good photograph. I really like the way it came out. Uh, I look a little fat, though. And then Sarah does this. She picks up the paper. And she goes, oh, you don't look fat. Oh, well, you do look kind of fat. <laughs> like, for a moment, I thought you were going to sort of make me feel better, and you then you snatched look, it away. You don't look fat. It's the shirt. You can tell it's the shirt because the rest uh-huh. of you look small. It's the way that the shirt's popping out. I'm just saying, for a moment, you dangled that you were going to say and then you cruelly snatched you it. You know what? I, there isn't a big article written about me. I'm very proud of no, you. That is fine. a good picture. No, it's, I'm gonna, it's okay. It's good enough that I'm going to ask for a print of it so I can have it Would print. you rather I lied to you? Yes. Okay. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You don't look fat. It's I'd... the shirt. You can tell it's the shirt. See, I wasn't even talking about the shirt. I was talking about my face. No, I... your face. Look... No, you know, I just saw that. Really? No, your face looks small. Your legs look small. It's just the shirt kind of kind of tense out. Let's. We're gonna keep that. Uh, that's gonna be the the party line. By the way, it's the shirt. I'm just gonna wear this same shirt everywhere I go. I'm just gonna get another... have a billow around you. Seriously. So whenever the people go, no, 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 it's the shirt. Sarah said so. <laughs> All right. Um, it seemed like we were gonna do something here at the end. How long do we have? Uh, Twenty seconds. One call. Sure. All right. Last call of the day. Please don't be terrible. Hey. Rick. Hi. Hey, your top five for tomorrow. Yeah. What is that again? It's top five songs that are a lot creepier than they sound. Okay, I got a perfect one for you. All right, well, don't say it now. You got to email it to me. Oh, come on. If you say it now, we're going to be giving it away, sir. It's got to be a surprise. Well, then my call sucks, then. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying, but see, now you've you've teased it. Now you got to pay it off by sending it to me. We'll put it on the list. All right. What, Rick, Rick Emerson, uh, what's your email? Uh, it is rick at rickemerson.com, sir. Got it. Thank you for listening, my friend. Bye. He said it all dejected. I don't think you're going to let him say it. Well, because then it wouldn't be a reveal. That's true. Oh, now I feel like a jerk. Fine, crucify me. Uh, all right, I want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins and James Roop. Tomorrow, uh, Mr. Skin and more details on Listener Party 11. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Snellen for AM970. Tell us to radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave's in the webmistress. It's Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Like us next. Donna Mike at 7. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the masters grind it down. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. I want my Uncle Charlie sausage.